Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. What up, what up, what up, podcast party people? How are you doing? How are you feeling? Whoa, hold on, what is going on? Now I'm declining you. Did you guys hear that? That was crazy. Did you hear that? That was crazy. Somebody just called. During my intro, barbecue calling. I got barbecue on the line. I'm going to get him here in a second. I got to say, this is a great episode, man. Will Carroll is awesome. I love Wilbur. Wilbur, a.k.a. Wilbur. He uh, he was our drummer for one tour back in 1995. And I'm pretty sure that's where I met him. He was just recommended by somebody. I don't know. He tells the story. But uh, he ended up in Machine Head for the final tour of the Burn My Eyes uh, album cycle, which was through the U.S. And, uh, man, we go through some fucking funny stories, shit that I totally forgot about. Just goddamn. And uh, pretty good shit. Pretty good shit. So you'll definitely be highly entertained here. What is... Hold on. What's going on? Barbecue's fucking... I got barbecue on because barbecue has the funniest fucking story. And uh, he, uh, so I'll start, so this is, I'll start, I'll set the whole thing. First of all, I got, let me just go into a couple other things. I'm going to go into a couple other things. Yesterday was super productive. Got uh, some sick, um, some sick uh, photographs done with Travis Shin for, uh, the album, they're going to be bad fucking ass, dude. These photos turned out really good, man. And uh, pretty cool shit. We did a bunch of it. You know, we'll probably do some more. We did we did some really cool studio stuff. And then we did some stuff where we actually played live. And he got, got us in like the electric happy hour vibe, which looked really cool. Like all tripped out and psychedelic, man. It was like an acid trip that I did when I was in high school. And uh and then uh and then we went outside and we did the st- we did some street stuff and like maybe it'll be cool. I don't know. I'm kind of I've just I've been doing street photos for so fucking long at this point like I just <laughs> I'm sick of street photos. You know, fucking train tracks. You know, like this I've been I've been doing those same train tracks now since 1993, so you know, I'm just I'm just really excited about the other ones, but we're getting we're getting there, man. We're almost done with the package. It's looking sick. I uh, I finished up the uh, I finished up the Peacemaker series. I think I was talking about this the other week. Um, Peacemaker is an offshoot of the second Suicide Squad. I almost said Suicide Silence. The second Suicide Squad. And uh, 
it's got John Cena in it, starring John Cena, and it's pretty funny, pretty raunchy. Um, you know, certainly raunchier than anything we've seen John Cena be in before. You know, he's kind of been like the all-American guy, and uh, it's cool to see this side of him. Pretty violent, you know, gory as fuck, and uh, it's a good series. And the the thing that's the funniest thing about the series is it's got like all of the D League <laughs> glam rock bands from the '80s, <laughs> like all the bands that never really did much, but like you heard their name and like all that. So. It's it's really fucking. It's, I mean, it amazingly like all of that music fits perfectly, and every it's, every fucking song is about rock. And we talk about this, but I talk about this during the, I talk about this during the thing, and I want to play it because here's the song. I think I talk about this with Will, but here's the song right here. Which actually isn't from the '80s. This is a song from 2010, but uh. They fucking, they, they got it in the, I was listening to it and I was like, I was like, that is not from the 80s. Production's way too good. But this song is like the intro music for the Peacemaker. And they're all doing like this funny dance. I cannot get this fucking song out of my head. Invisible bone. Throw your dog the invisible bone. What does that even mean? <laughs> Throw your dog the invisible bone. I can't get that fucking song out of my head. I've had it. I just I had to play it because I fucking can't stop hearing it in my head. I listened to it a couple times on the way back from uh, the jam room the other day. And, uh, yeah, it's a banger. So shout out to Wigwam, Wigwam or Wigwam, however you say it. I I actually think that Machine Head and Wigwam did a beat, uh, some festival in Japan. Was it, I don't know. If not It's not Beat Feast. It's something else. But a festival in Japan. And I think that they were pretty popular. This was about fucking... 12 years ago or something but i just remember that i was like well, who the fuck is wigwam they were insanely popular in japan at the time and uh yeah so all these years later they got a they got their song as the lead track on peacemaker the dc uh comics uh show that's pretty funny and it just wrapped up i gotta say it's fucking season finale was good good season finale so if you're into that shit go check it out good season finale anyway um I got barbecue here, and I'll let him. Uh, I'm gonna just get get him on. He might be even trying to join. I'll just text him right now. Barbecue. Yo yo. What's happening, on? man? Uh mate, been a rough week. <laughs> been a rough week. <laughs> I kind of I, I kind of set this up, but I'm gonna set it up a little bit, and then I'll let you take take over from here. But yeah. uh, so back, about, I want to say about two years ago, I got a cock zit. I was actually on vacation in Turks and Caicos, and I got I got a zit on my cock, which was, I'd never had that happen. It was quite bizarre, honestly, and uh, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't really, 
painful. It was just fucking weird that I had this, you know, it was mildly painful. It eventually, like, I po- it got big enough to, like, I got a white head and I popped it. But I think I talked about it on, like, a sto- an Instagram story or something, and, and Barbecue wrote a song about it. <laughs> Zit on my cock. <laughs> it was great. But then he tells me, he texts me, uh, he texts me to let me know that he has something even crazier than a cock zit. So I'll let you take over from here. All right. So we went away uh, last weekend, uh, did a boat trip up to the islands. Similar. This is why I sort of reached out to you. It was very similar, beautiful setting. Had a good weekend away with the family. And uh, Sunday I went to work. I had a 24-hour shift. Um, Sunday night. I was a bit blocked up, a bit constipated. And okay. when you go away, when you go away on the boat, you just eat burgers and right. bread and sandwiches and cheese and crackers and drink beer, as yes. you know, camping. Mm-hmm. Um, the best. So I, yeah, best. yeah. So just just <laughs> eating shit all weekend and yeah, your bowels beer. pay for it. <laughs> your yeah, pay for it in the end. <laughs> Fucking hard. So I'm sitting there uh, at work, and I'm working. I work in a resi house with young people. And you got to be, you know, you got to try to be quick because things can happen in these houses where you got to be ready to go. So I'm in there and I'm like, oh man, it's ain't good. So I'm squeezing and I'm, I'm having a bit of trouble. You're, you're just you're 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 crowning. You've got a poop coming and yeah. you need to hold it because you got stuff to do. Yeah, I need to hold it or get it out. So I try to I try to get it out quick and I, I squeeze a bit and I feel this pain. I'm like. Oh, that ain't fucking right. And um, <laughs> I, I snap a bit off. I, I snapped a bit off, but I, I pulled mean? up on it. What's uh, that? Like mean? I snapped a bit of the poop off. Like I it got a bit out. I snapped it oh, off. Oh, like mid poop, you stopped. Yeah, I okay. stopped. It was just, Ooh. it was too much. I'm at work and uh, and I just felt it was going to take painful. another. It's that painful it was, that you got to stop. Also, it was taking too long. And at my job, you can't be in the toilet for an hour, half an hour. So right. I, um, I backed out of a board admission um, and and I felt this pain then. I've never felt a pain like it. And I'm like, oh, shit, I think I got a hemorrhoid. I've never had a hemorrhoid. I'm like, I'm starting to freak out because I've heard about hemorrhoids. And I'm like, fuck. Anyway. You had a hemorrhoid? No. I've uh, never had one. I I suppose I'm around the age to start getting them. I've been, I've had them for 20 years now. Fuck. (laughs) <laughs> they're horrible it was freaking me out anyway uh so the next day i finished my shift the next day at four o'clock and i go home and i already told the missus i text her and i told her i think i got a hemorrhoid and my missus is like i'll have a look when you get home and i'm like you're not you're not fucking having a look at my asshole like there's certain things That's that i'm best. she can wax she can wax my ass crack but she's not staring into the abyss like i'm like no you know, looking in my asshole. She's like, don't worry. I've seen everything. Blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I'm freaking out about this. I don't want you seeing it. So um, she's like, all right. When I'm at work on Tuesday, so we get through Monday night. She goes to work Tuesday. She brings me home. And your soul, the cream. So okay. she's like, this you, like, you like got to This is like a, uh, like a hemorrhoid medicine. A hemorrhoid cream. Okay. So I'm like, what do I do with this? She reads the instructions. You got to you insert this. You got to squeeze it up your butt. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like fuck. So I'm squeezing this shit up my. I'm squeezing this cream up my butt for, <laughs> for all Tuesday. 
and I'm and I'm freaking out so much. I started eating. And then your butt's just creamy for the rest of the day. Oh You're yeah, like, yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's cream, out. and it's cream, and it's slowly coming out. And I started eating clean too because I was so freaked out. I wanted to like poop regularly, so I'm like, I'm eating bran. I'm eating sultana brown. I'm eating prunes. I'm drinking juices. I'm totally cleaning out so I can just come through without hurting me. Um, but I still was blocked up from work. So we're, we're into Tuesday. I'm putting the cream in. I'm doing, And the pain is getting worse every day. Like it's starting to get really bad where I can't sit and walk and it's hurting. Oh, uh, and, and, you know, the worst thing by Tuesday sort of night, the worst pain was if I farted. If I had gas and my sphincter vibrated with a big fart, I fucking screamed. Like I was like fucking screaming. So, and the funny thing is I'm laying in bed, I'm, I'm laying in bed Tuesday night. I'm trying to watch a TV show or a series. And my daughter sneaks in in the dark and fucking jumps out and scares me and tickles my armpit. And I fucking rip the biggest fart because I've been eating clean and I'm all healthy and I'm full of gas. And I rip this giant fart and, Carly and my daughter both heard it. They're laughing and I'm screaming in pain, like, get out of my room. Like, fuck. <laughs> like, it hurts so bad. So, um, That's too funny. We, uh, yeah, we get through, uh, we get through Tuesday night. Hey, don't you get to the doctor at some point, right? Yeah. So I get through to Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday, I actually had a full bowel movement. It was fairly big and fairly bad and it must have been everything that was in there from the weekend finally came out and it really it got me it just afterwards i couldn't wipe my butt i got in the shower yeah. and i'll clean myself in the shower and when i'm cleaning i could feel something outside my butthole and i'm like oh my god it's a fucking hemorrhoid i'm like i'm flipping out i've never i'm stressing i've, I've even heard you can poke i've read up all about it so i'm like i'm trying I to think, poke I don't it think, i think i i don't believe you can poke them i've heard that's really bad I'll poke them back in. Like that's I, oh, poke them back. I see what you're saying. Yeah, poke them back yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pushing on this thing. I'm pushing it. I'm trying to get it in. I'm frigging. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want that fucking hemorrhoid hanging out of my ass. And uh, I'm still doing Anusol and I'm still eating clean and, and I'm showering instead of wiping. And I ring the doctor and I go, fuck, just get me in. And they're like, we'll, we'll get you in tomorrow. We can't get you in today. I'm like, I'm in real bad pain. They're like, all right, who do you want? I said, just give me any, anyone. And they said, all right, we'll book you in with Dr. Charles. I later, later on find out his last name's Evil. So I'm going to see Dr. Charles Evil, who I've never seen before. <laughs> Dr. Evil. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's I like rock evil up. with two L's or something though, right? Yeah, yeah. Double L. But uh, no, yeah, you can see why they say Dr. Charles, because people would be like, I'm not, I'm not coming I'm, to see Dr. Fucking I'm Evil. Not, not to check out this pain in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> so I... Uh, Thursday you got morning. Dr. Evil to check out your hemorrhoid. Yeah, yeah. Thursday, Thursday my, my hemorrhoid. Thursday morning, I go and I see Dr. Evil. Um, while I'm in the waiting room, my missus's friends are all in there and they're like looking at me like, I'm going, please don't ask why I'm here. Please don't <laughs> right. fucking ask why I'm here. They're all in the waiting room. Why are you here, uh, Floyd? Yeah, yeah. They didn't ask, thanks, fuck. Um, I went into Dr. Evil. I tell him what's going on. He goes, yeah, sounds like a hemorrhoid get up on the bench, take your pants off, bend over. So I do that. He's looking and he's like, mate, this isn't a hemorrhoid. This is a giant pimple, like a pimple or something like a big pimple. Like he goes, it's red. He goes, it's coming from the inside of you to the outside Ooh. of you. It's got a big, Ooh. 
big. He said, I can see the head, a yellowy, whitey head on it. It's a pimple. And I'm, I've got instant relief. I don't have a fucking hemorrhoid. So I'm like, yes, no hemorrhoid. And then I'm, then I'm thinking, I say, I say to him straight away, pop it. Can you pop it? Like get the pressure out of it, pop it. And he's like, I am not popping it. Like, I don't know if he didn't want to go near my hairy asshole, but he's like, I am not popping it. Uh, Can so you he goes, pop oh. my sphincter zit, Dr. Evil? <laughs> <laughs> There's the song. <laughs> that's the song. Right there. That's, yeah. the that's the chorus right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, he won't pop it, but he says to me, I will give you antibiotics and you come back. If it doesn't antibiotics go away in a few days. It? Yeah. Oh, because it was. Oh, infected. you said it was really infected, right? Yeah, really infected. Yeah. And, it, and it, he could see the red had gone around my butt cheeks and down into my gooch. And he's like, it's, it's spreading. And I'd been a bit like I'd been sweaty and a bit like feverish. So. He said, you know, this infection's pretty bad. We'll put you on antibiotics. I said, can I squeeze it? And he goes, yeah, you can squeeze it. You can go home and squeeze it. And I said, yeah. I said, I'll get the missus to squeeze it. And he's like, he looked and he goes, would your missus squeeze that? And I'm like, she will. My missus will squeeze it. And he's like, all right, well, get her to squeeze it and see how you go. And I said, actually, I'll film it. And he, you know, I'll film it and so everyone can see it. And he's and so like, you don't did. he? And I gotta say, yeah, well, thank I, you for filming it. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the video right now. I'm well, gonna play yeah. the video. Let me see. Let me figure out how to do this. Because this has got to be fucking gold right here. There we go. Share screen. And then I wonder what do I want to share. This is what I want to share right here. And then we're gonna go here and then press play. Is it a boil? You reckon? Ah, get out of my bum hole. <laughs> Fuck! Yeah, there's a lot of shit coming out. Oh my god! Not shit, pass. <laughs> this is fucking. I should have drank. <laughs> I should have drank. Drank. Yeah, I was gonna drink. I should have. Fuck. <laughs> Your wife is a champ. What? Ms. Now this Barbecue thing. Is a champ. Uh, this thing is right on the ring of my sphincter. <laughs> like the head is on the ring. Oh my god! Oh. I'm nearly crying here. This was so fucking painful. It what is felt. She, is, she, is she lancing it? No, she's got two Q-tips and she's okay. squeezing the edges, and it's just piercing out blood and pus. Holy hell! And uh, it felt like she was putting a hot fire poker in my butthole every time she squeezed. I was. It was bad. Oh, fuck's sake! Uh, I haven't watched this. You sent it to me, and I purposely didn't watch it just to watch it with you. Uh, I tapped out in a minute. I, I tap out in a sec. Right, you're just like I can't take it. She is a <laughs> yeah, but fuck that. Fucking she is a fucking me. champion. <laughs> she is a That's keeper. It. She oh my barbecue. She loves popping pimples, and she will check anything out. Uh, but yeah, so the doctor. Uh, he thought that was hilarious. He's laughing. He's like, show him the video. Well, I haven't shown him the video. He actually said, don't send me a video of your asshole, but you can, I could send him that. I think he'll enjoy that. So uh, I'm going to send that to the doctor surgery for him to check out. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, so all last night after she did that, I just leaked blood and pus. Oh. And this morning the pressure is gone. 
All right. Uh, I'm feeling a hell of a lot better. And uh, Wiping the the, okay? Yeah. No, I haven't wiped it. Shower. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I just want to shower because of infection. Like this, this, the hole is right on the rec, on the sphincter. Right you don't want to be messing yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I'm I'm showering and and disinfecting and actually a funny thing is when she I wish I'd have filmed before she started popping. She pulls out a fucking spray bottle of uh, disinfectant and oh, sprays geez. it on my asshole and it went all over my nutsack and <laughs> asshole. Now I don't know if in the US you've got Dettol. I think it's called Cortain B or some shit. Uh, like it's a very Lysol. strong, okay. very strong disinfectant. And while she's doing that, um, my fucking sphincter is on fire and my nutsack's on fire because this shit she sprayed all over <laughs> I had to get up and shower and wash it off. It was it was a fucking hectic night. Oh, uh, that's too fucking classic, man. <clears throat> well, thank you for sharing your video and your story. I knew this would be fucking comedy gold here. So, <laughs> so uh, mate, we got to get this on. I straight away thought about the coxit and I said, Sphincter Zit has got to be the coxit. And, yes. Uh, yeah. New uh, song, Sphincter Zit. <laughs> Dr. Evil, can you pop my Sphincter Zit? <laughs> Anyway, peace out. Right. Run. Great Cheers, having you brother. on, though. Take it easy, brother. Thanks, Mike. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Barbecue. Barbecue with this sphincter zit story. You're welcome, everybody. Danny Headcase is probably vomiting right now. Yes, you definitely should not eat while listening to this podcast. That's my advice. That's my advice to you. All right, now I'm going over to... Will Carroll from Death Angel on the show. Uh, well, Will hasn't gotten back to me, motherfucker. I asked him what his top three drum performances are, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm gonna go for. Uh, I'm gonna go for this fucking song. Well, first of all, this is Will's first record right here that he joins. Relentless Revolution. This is the opening track. Opening track debut for everybody to listen to Will Carroll and Death Angel right here. Oh, I got to double tap it. Boom. Good stuff, man. Will's a killer drummer. And a great dude. He's like a dude that you want to hang out with. I'm telling you right now. He's like... I mean, he doesn't rage his heart anymore, but... He's a fun dude to hang out with. Into the arms of righteous angels right here.
tell you what, though. This song right here, when I saw them the other day, we talked about this for a minute. This song is like a straight-up Death Angel hit. The crowd went crazy when they played this song. This is the... What the fuck happened? That's not what I pressed. The dream calls for blood. Rock on that shit. That's a cool little change up. I like that on the up. One of the biggest songs on this record, too, title track. And it's deep in there, too. Track four. That is a cool mix-up, man. I love that little turnaround that happens right there halfway. Shit's a banger, man. Shit is a banger. This is Humanicide, title track off their most recent album, 2019. Uh, Actually, technically not their most recent album, but their most recent uh, studio album. They do have a... Where am I going here? They have The Bastard Tracks, which is their latest release, which is uh, some live tracks and some... Yeah, I think this is from a live stream that they did. Deep Cuts. But this is their latest studio album, Humanicide. I'll tell you what, Rob Cavastani is a killer guitar player. I had him on the podcast with Ted. One of my first podcasts, actually. One of my early, early podcasts, and it was a great podcast. It was probably the first one that really, you know, went on for like an hour, 15, hour and a half. We went deep. It's still up on YouTube, too, if you want to go listen to it. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, right now, I want to get you into it. The mighty, mighty... Will Carroll, Death Angel, here on No Fucking Regrets. Will Carroll. What's up, man? What's happening? <laughs> Will Burr. Good to see you, man. Robbio. You too, yeah. man. Very good to see you. Yeah. Even though it hasn't been that long since I just saw you. That's true. Obituary last week. Awesome municipal waste obituary enforced gate Total. ripper. Yep. Gate Creeper were sick, man. They, yeah. their, their guitar tone was incredible. Dude, it's fucking like 1989 left hand path entombed worship. It's yep. awesome. Totally. <laughs> Loved it. 
Yeah, I loved it, man. It was good. Municipal waste was uh municipal waste was they fucking killed it though to me. Like everybody killed it. You know, everybody did fucking awesome. But yeah, it was a solid bill. I mean, you know, municipal waste always uh has a amazing audience, you know, like has a lot of audience audience participation going on with that band, you know, just a lot of energy, a lot of energy. Yeah. Their singer's very uh lovable. <laughs> totally. Do, doing the jump rope with the mic cord and everything. <laughs> it's so it's so dumb, but it's so fucking just funny and fun and totally. thrashing of the Christ and the fucking you know, all that shit. Totally. Yeah. Obituary killed it though. That was we were we were bonding over uh, Circle of the Tyrants cover that that's, put out. That's right, man. That's right. They do a great version of it, man. Cause of death, fucking awesome. Yeah. Slowly re rot. All the all the bangers. Yep. Yeah. How have you been? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. You want a Celtic uh, bra shirt right now? I am. Look at you go. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm keeping it real. But I'm doing good, man. You know, uh, a lot's happened in the past couple of years, and I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling good. Awesome. I was uh, I was reading. Uh, I'm sure. Did everybody start off with the fucking COVID thing? Should we just skip the COVID thing for now? Yeah, whatever, man. That does happen quite a bit. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's such big news, and it was like it was fucking, it was huge news. <laughs> like, yeah, San Francisco Chronicle, and like fucking, it was just everywhere. Fox News, yeah. Fox News, I know Fox News. I mean, I, I think it was because you were, you know, it was probably one of the, the most uh, high profile, like bands that got covid right in the beginning like i think if you got it now no one would give a shit holy drummer for death angel getting that we're not even going to cover it but it was like kind of shocking and then i think the fact that you out of everybody you know like suddenly you're in a coma and i was like oh my god like this dude's in a fucking coma it's real yeah yeah um i mean waking up from it like for the first like week everything was kind of chill and then the chronicle did the story and once the chronicle picked it up it kind of snowballed out of control and then when i started talking about the dreams i had in my coma about going to hell and all that stuff fox news really like ate that up and right. spun that angle on it you know <laughs> i loved that you uh saw satan in your covid in <laughs> your covid induced coma and you saw satan while you're in hell and it's a woman it was a woman <laughs> Yeah, man. Red skin, sitting in a rock throne. Tits. Tits. Naked? Yeah. Naked or clothed? She she was topless and she had like uh like long black leather boots on and like kind of like you know those uh those red devil drawings of those like buxom red devil chicks. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. It was right. kind of like that, you know. <laughs> That's funny. Is she is she wearing pants? Is she naked? Like can you see her butt and her cooch and everything? She was wearing like 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 boots and like a g-string type of thing okay and her skin was kind of like simmering with boils and she was not she she wasn't attractive it was oh okay it was very offensive totally wow trippy yeah that's trippy it was here i was imagining some like hot (laughs) like you just got a hot naked chick in your no (laughs) no man she uh she had like glowing eyes and she was just laughing at me. And like, yeah, it was, it was really vivid dreams. So when I woke up, it was still fresh in my, in my mind, you know, and kind of freaked me out for a little bit, but a did lot you, of these, did you talk, do you remember having a conversation? Uh, no, she was just laughing at me 
and I was vomiting blood, and I was like this giant obese creature, like the the creature from the end of uh, Weird Science, you know, when Chet. Yes. Yeah, I looked like that kind of. Yeah. <laughs> you can see yourself. Yeah, I was looking from above, kind of watching oh, okay. the whole thing happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are talking about it. <laughs> I mean, it's so fucking. It's fucking hilarious. I mean, look, what do they say? Comedy is tragedy over time. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> so Absolutely. Your uh, your tragedy is now uh, some kind of entertainment for us. Uh a meme of some sort. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You, you were some Jabba the Hutt type of figure. And then uh, what was the other thing? Um, there was one more thing. Oh, that you, and then there was like, I guess the big thing that was that I didn't really catch on, but I've, I've since read was uh, just recently when I was, you know, researching you was just mm -hmm. that it, it got kind of turned into some like Christian born again, like thing. Which it, it sure did, dude. I'm it sure got... was annoying. It was annoying and kind of scary because some people that I don't know found my home address and started mailing me Bibles and and like some woman who wrote a book about becoming a born again Christian, she sent me her book from like Virginia or somewhere. Hmm. And that was a little frightening. I mean, these people don't mess around, man. They're hunting me down. But I was getting flooded with messages on like, you know, social media and everything, just people saying, I'm glad you've you've found the light or I'm glad you've turned. And it's like, no, I haven't, man. I'm not, I'm not trying to say I'm a born again Christian. I'm just, you know, now I, I understand the power of prayer and this, I, before I only believed in things I touched and saw, but now I understand there's a, there's something more out there, I guess, you know, <laughs> but I wasn't saying I was a born again Christian at all. No way. Right. Yeah. But like the whole idea of manifesting, positive energy absolutely making something be positive in your life absolutely i would have laughed at something like that before all this happened but i do believe in that now you know there's something more yeah right on but you're not you're not playing uh praying to the guy who looks like willie nelson in the photo that we all <laughs> no <laughs> no no i'm not and i still i still listen to my evil heavy metal you know i, I haven't changed in yeah. that aspect you know it, I, I do know what you're saying, though, in the intensity that the that the Christians really uh, like go after people. Mm -hmm. You know, I had I had Brian from Corn on here who has uh, gotten sober and he's gotten sober through, you know, turning to Christ. And, you know, he's not he doesn't get up on a podium and, you know, scream from the top about it. You know, you talk to him and he'll he'll talk to you about all the crazy times in his life and being addicted to meth for seven years and, mm -hmm. you know, and that just that stuff helped him. But he, I forget what he said. He, he kind of like, he, but he kind of ragged on like Christians, you know, he was just like, they go fucking overboard. They go too much. Like it's just too fucking much. And Holy fucking shit, dude. Like the shit storm that it stirred up just him, you know, kind of off the cuff, just saying, so, I mean, in the fucking comments just you're a fake christian and you're you know like it, just, mm -hmm. it was like never he could never be christian enough no matter what he said to even forget you know to 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 make up for it and it was just fucking insane dude you know who really opened the floodgates for the whole christian contingent was michael sweet from striper he reposted my story on his personal page on facebook or Instagram somewhere. Oh, okay. And that just that just got the ball rolling rolling crazily. Like just 
Striper fans were reaching out to me. People who follow Michael Sweet were just, that's when it all started happening. So um, I know his intentions were probably good because, you know, he was just like, this is an interesting story. And, you know, but he didn't do me any favors. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Striper hasn't done the world any favors. <laughs> I fucking hate Striper. <laughs> I fucking always hated Striper. Yeah, they're Yellow like... and black attack. <laughs> Never got into it. Never was my speed. I know people like him. Blabbermouth still covers them like beyond <laughs> beyond any fucking band that deserves coverage. Like totally, so yeah. much striper coverage. It's just like, dude. <laughs> and they have a new album coming out. So, and I know that because of Blabbermouth. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Thanks a lot, Blabbermouth. <laughs> um, yeah, that's crazy though. I'm, but uh, I think I texted you right around that time, and I'm just, you know, I was happy you're alive, and I'm fucking, I was freaked out. Like I was really shocked and freaked out. I had had COVID. Um, about a month before that, not even a month before that, like three weeks before that. And, but I didn't know it was COVID. Like you couldn't even get really tested, mm -hmm. but it was all like the whole tour got it. We went through New York, which was the hot spot at the time. And, mm -hmm. and uh, we went out on the, t I mean, we went out on the town and fucking raged. I had two days off in New York city. We were licking bathroom walls and <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it, was like, it was insane. And, uh, yeah. And then I, I got, and it was all, I mean, it was all the symptoms like the chest and the fucking, you know, the taste and the fever. I, you know, I, it, uh, it, you know, it kicked my ass. Like it fucking, I call, I was in a hotel room in Detroit. I've got the heater cranked to 90. I'm in my long sweats and my hoodie. I've got a fucking parka on. I'm under the sheets and I'm freezing still. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just like, what the fuck is, I finally take a bath, kind of get like some level of normality like i finally start feeling warm again to get out of the bath within 15 minutes i'm fucking freezing again i get up to go to the bathroom my knees buckle i've never had my knees buckle out from under me i hit my head on the fucking toilet i couldn't couldn't even use my i couldn't even climb back into bed like i couldn't use my legs i was like what wow the fuck? and uh did you miss any shows i did we missed two shows i missed one show in detroit i just like i couldn't even like i couldn't even get out of bed and uh and then I slept for 17 hours, woke up for three hours, went back to sleep for another 12 hours, then woke up, played the show in Chicago. Don't even have any, I have zero recollection of it. Apparently it was good, which I was happy mm. to hear about, but I honestly don't. I was just on autopilot. And then we had to cancel the next day after that. Cause I wow. was fucking, I couldn't get it together. Did anyone else on the tour get as sick everybody as you? Else, almost everybody else. Not, Logan was as sick as And Logan, see, I thought like, cause I was like, you know, I'm not anywhere near as healthy as Logan is. Logan's mm -hmm. like shredded and doing fucking protein things and creatine mm -hmm. this. And, you know, and he got him and I were fucking annihilated. Mm. And, uh, and most of us were, um, and then, uh, but you know, like I, we tried to get tested and then they, you know, they gave us a test and then we got the result back in like three minutes, which, you know, you can't even do that now. Right. You know what I mean, and they were like, oh, yeah, you've just got the flu. And, you know, Logan and I had the same symptoms, but it was like, whatever. We know we had it. And then our tour manager got back to the UK. He tested positive. He had the same symptoms. So it was it was wild. And so right when I get back home, I hear about you. And I was like, holy shit. Like, that's fucking scary. Yeah, I'm sure your family was scared. I'm sure your oh yeah. You know your girl was scared. I read some of the stuff that she said in the press and yeah, it was a uh, it was 
you slipped into a coma though, or they, or they medically, they put me into a coma, put you into a coma. Cause I was struggling to breathe. And, uh, that was the only option. Totally. Yeah. And you've had no, no long COVID symptoms. No, man. Uh, surprisingly knock on wood. Luckily, uh, my no lungs... COVID dick. <laughs> no, nothing like that. And breathing's no okay. Up. Yeah. That's killer. Yeah. And there was no scarring on my lungs or anything like that. I had heart failure during the coma coma as well. So I kind of died there for a second, I suppose you could say. Holy but my heart, my heart didn't take any damage either. What, so during the coma? Yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. Man. Yeah, you're lucky. Totally. Really lucky. You know a, a funny story that I don't think I've told anyone about. Um, like the the last show of that tour got canceled because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was everything was shutting down, you know. So our last show was in Germany and that got canceled. So we had a night off and you know, I was, I was, I, I just thought I had like end of the tour fatigue or something, you know, it's the normal thing. I was feeling a little worn out and run down, but um, we all went to a steakhouse that night, us and Exodus, all of Exodus and most of Death Angel and our crew. And they were sitting at their table. We had our table and an hour passed and no one had gotten any appetizers or anything, salads, anything. So we're like, what the hell is going on? And our uh, server told us that the the chef or the cook in the, in the kitchen collapsed and he had to get rushed to the hospital. And oh no one ever no one ever talks about that. I mean, maybe that was the source of the COVID. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I was already feeling under the weather, and there were a couple a couple of people already sick on our bus. But I mean, it was weird. So the guy got got shipped off, got uh, rushed off to the uh, hospital, and our servers had to prepare our meal. One of them was feeling under the weather as well, they told us. So oh, it, it is a, a weird situation. And we all kind of forgot about that because I come home and I'm in a coma. But I, when I remember that, I'm like, you know, I mean, something something's up there, you know. And I, I couldn't taste my steak or my scalloped potatoes or anything. So oh, wow. Well, so that you was, already had it. You already had it then. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I couldn't taste anything. But I didn't know that was a symptom at the time, you know. And then yeah, the flight home was just a nightmare. <laughs> right are you, are you just are you just fucking dying on the plane like yeah 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 man and i, I remember watching the movie dr sleep you know that movie dr sleep is the sequel to um the shining uh, <clears> it, came, the it came out for the shining huh. i didn't know it existed either dude Never heard of that. And i was i was on the flight and and Zetra was like oh you should watch dr sleep it's a sequel to the shining so I'm kind of like sitting in my in my chair, like feeling like death, but watching this awesome horror movie. So it was kind of a weird dynamic, you know. <laughs> it's a really good sequel. You should check Is it, it a out. Stephen King? Like it's connected to Stephen King somehow? I think he was involved in it, and um, uh, Ewan McGregor plays Danny, the little kid, but he's full grown now. He's an adult, oh, okay. alcoholic cokehead, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's fucking good, man. It's really good. Wow, that's in- I mean. That's a bold move making a sequel to that movie. Totally, yeah. especially that long after, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So that movie has a weird spot in my heart. <laughs> like when I think of it, I think about when I was feeling like death. <laughs> yeah. But it cheered, but somehow it cheered you up. Right? Sure, sure. <laughs> what uh, you come home and then, but now you're now you're good, right? Like you're all good. I was reading that. I, I guess you did a follow up story with Decibel where it's like you kind of like, yeah, I can do all the things I need to do. Like your yep. stamina is back, and that's awesome. Yeah, man. Um, the hardest thing to bounce back from was uh, learning how to walk again. 
because I was in a coma for 12 days and then I was in the hospital for an additional five days and my legs were useless, dude. I mean, I didn't know atrophy would set that. I didn't know atrophy sets in that quickly, but just being inactive for 12 days, my legs were toast, man. So wow. when I came home, I had a walker and I couldn't get from the bedroom to the bathroom without assistance of some sort. So that was really scary. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a drummer, so I, I need my fucking legs. You know? <laughs> um, but after like maybe a week of physical therapy, I was walking again. And then within like three weeks, I started drumming again. So, or maybe a month I was drumming again. So it all worked out. What What's the first song you play when you get on the drums after being? Dude, that's yeah. funny. That's a great question. Um, it's the same song that I warm up to backstage before a show or whatever it's a song by the band coroner called no need to be human and it's got like a very slow double bass pattern but it goes out through the whole song so it's a test of endurance kind of so yeah that's that's what i uh jammed on the very first coroner, thing i jammed on no, no need, need to, to be, be human, human. <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice. i'll play that in the intro like i want to i want to hear this now all right <laughs> <laughs> you play, I mean, can you play for a while or do you just kind of like, I'm going to jam for 10 minutes and then kind of call it a day? No, man, I jammed for like an hour and felt confident enough to jam with other people. So I got together with my older brothers a couple of days later and we jammed on a whole set of like Bowie songs and oh, you know, cheap trick and stuff like that. But we jammed for like two hours and they couldn't believe it and I couldn't believe it. And uh, yeah, there's been no, no problems with that, thankfully. Is this a, you got your own studio or is this like the Death Angel studio? Oh, I have my own studio in San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. That I share with my brothers. Okay. Uh, I have a covers band with my brothers called My Three Sons. Oh, wow. And we, uh, we do like, you know, like Bowie and Cheap Trick and Aerosmith and 70s stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah that's our studio. So I met them there and uh, I made sure I was completely re re rehabilitated before I jammed with Death Angel. I didn't want to know waste anyone's time you know right yeah just getting so, into the getting into the flow again totally I totally you, i know you love your bowie i do man oh yeah Mid, yeah. like 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 late 70s bowie like the the weird stuff like lodger and low and heroes that shit that's the shit i love with brian eno that's yeah. the yeah and yeah and your brothers is that like do you start jamming with your brothers like is, are those the first people you jam with as a kid yes absolutely we jammed in the garage uh like the, I, these kind of songs totally yeah like kiss and and yeah totally that kind of stuff van halen whatever like classic 70s rock and early 80s stuff but um yeah yeah that's that's who i started out that's who i cut my teeth with was my, my brothers playing with and other is, people is and it's a like it's a bass guitar singer or somebody who sings all three of us sing oh okay yeah you sing too Oh yeah, man. I mean, yeah. I did a lot of that in old granddad. I was screaming, right. but yeah. Right. Yeah. I have the coordination to do it. Okay. So you guys are doing like three part harmonies and stuff? Or are you just trading off vocals? Yeah, we're not, we're not doing harmonies. We're just yeah. trading off vocals. Like right like the trashier rock and roll songs like Johnny Thunders or New York Dolls, my brother Mike sings, the David Bowie songs I sing. Uh, and my brother Jim will sing like Aerosmith or whatever. Well, we, we try to, we try to sing these songs. You, know? <laughs> you guys play around though. Yeah, we do. We do. Yeah. Um, we just played, I just played my first bar mitzvah 
uh, like four or five months ago. Dude, we played a bar mitzvah in Oakland in someone's backyard. It was, <laughs> it was, it was one of the first gigs I played coming back from the whole lockdown. It was a weird thing, but it was fun though, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you did you and your brothers jam like like shows when you were learning like learning how to play stuff? No, no, we didn't start playing together live until like the nineties, like the late nineties, maybe. Yeah, you guys would when you first start jamming. You're jamming like in your in your garage, garage. in the garage. Okay. All right, totally. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm uh I'm lucky to come from a musical family and have you know siblings that were encouraging and there's always music around and instruments around. So it was a natural progression for me to go from playing baseball or whatever to go into playing music. You know, I started playing drums when I was ten. Yeah. Yeah. With your yeah. brothers. With my brothers. I, yeah. That's fucking young. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And the, but they weren't playing in bands that were doing anything. Well, neither one of them never really pursued music as a serious thing. They they both were good players and loved to do it, but um not really, no. Like my my middle brother, Mike, he's been in a few bands over the years. And the two of them had a punk rock band in the nineties called Moss. Uh, so they've done it a little bit and they've dabbled a little bit, <clears throat> but I was the only one who wanted to make a life out of it and, you know, ruin my life. <laughs> Get COVID and almost die. Yeah. Well, I guess if you're going to almost die, that's that's one of the cooler ways, I guess. <laughs> like, like being on heroin, <laughs> COVID-induced coma. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, me and Nikki Six can, can swap stories of near-death experiences. <laughs> <laughs> No, we're glad you're here, man. Thank you, man. Glad you're here, you guys. I told you this the other day, and I'll say it again. You know, and I said this already on the podcast after I saw the show. But you, Death Angel, fucking killed it at that show the other day. The the Testament Exodus. Yeah, the Fox, the Testament Exodus. Dude, you guys can't. I mean, like, I don't think I've ever seen an opening band just fucking explode off the stage. And have the crowd with them like that. I was like, holy fuck. You know, like it was awesome, dude. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much. Um Light, sound, <clears throat> fucking vibe. It was killer. Uh yeah, I mean, we we definitely rehearse a lot, you know, and I think it, it shows when we play. Um and I was fucking nervous as hell for that gig too, man. I don't I don't normally get nervous, especially for hometown gigs. I don't really get nervous, but I was definitely uh pacing around before the show. What do you think it was? I, maybe it's just our first it's our first live appearance since I almost died. So maybe I had a lot to prove or something. Like maybe people had speculative speculative minds that like, can this guy still do it? Can he pull it off or whatever? So I think it was extra pressure on me a little bit before going on. But after the first song I was okay. But the first song I was holding my breath during drum fills and stuff. Oh You're like, breathe, motherfucker. Breathe. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm glad it turned out well, man. It was a hell of a fun night. It, it didn't. I mean, it didn't show. I can tell you that. Like, there's not. Cool. I mean, you just look totally normal and relaxed up there. Like, I don't think anybody. I mean, you're saying it now, but nobody would have known. Right, right, right. Cool. I fooled him. <laughs> it was great. I had a blast. That was a good show. I had a good time. Definitely, man. Uh we're going to be doing that tour in like a month or so. Right, right. That starts pretty quick, yeah. right? Yeah, it starts April 9th in San Luis Obispo. Congratulations. That's going to be <laughs> awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, this has been rescheduled now like five times. Seems like it, man. Yeah. Seems like it. I mean, this is like the continuation of the tour that almost killed me and made everyone sick over two years ago. You know, so now it's starting back up, and it's a long time coming. You know, and uh, we're all we're all excited to fucking go out there. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Who's uh, who does Testament have playing drums? I have no idea. Oh, don't know. Okay, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, I mean. I was thinking it would be Nick Parker because he announced that he was going on a U.S. tour sometime soon. So it seemed like seemed like maybe it's him, but I don't know. I don't know for a fact at all. I haven't heard anything actually. He'd be good, I guess. Bostap was in Testament for a minute. Yeah, for uh, for an album or two on two yeah. albums. No, one, one album, one album. Yeah, but uh, he'd be great, man. I mean, perfect replacement. Yeah, I, I don't know what he's doing now either. I mean. He's been kind of quiet. Yeah, since since Slayer wrapped up, right? Yeah. No, good for you. That'll be fun. That'll yeah, be fun. man, I yeah. can't wait. This will be yeah. This will be your first tour in two years. Yeah. Yeah. Are you are you still uh, you know you're a you're a legendary partier. <laughs> your, your, your reputation your reputation precedes you. <laughs> are, are you are you do you find that post COVID, post almost basically dying, that you you know you're maybe slowing down or absolutely you know, change, you, know you got to kind of you're not as you're not as old as a dinosaur as I am, but you know you're <laughs> absolutely. Um, although it wouldn't show at the obituary show. <laughs> I, I know we were, I got, we drank a lot that night. I got we, fucking hammered. I was like, holy shit. We did, dude. We fun. did. It was fun. It was a fucking blast. It was a it was a total blast, but uh, yeah, I had like a two day hangover after that, man. Like I just I haven't gone big like that in, since before before COVID. So yeah, I've slowed down, and I'm you know I'm definitely more cautious, and um, not just of my own health, but just cautious of the people I'm around. Sometimes maybe they don't like to see me wasted and being a loudmouth as, as I do get on late night bus trips, you know? So, like, so, uh, I think you were telling me that, uh, the boys had a little talking with you right before COVID. like, dude, they did, dude, I, I mid tour, like towards the latter half of that base strikes back tour. They did have a, a talking with me backstage after a show. Um, like I had kept everybody up the night before partying with Lee Altus on the bus, listening to rap. And they just, they had enough, man. I, I don't blame them. I, I totally understand. At the time, I was like, fuck you guys. But I I, I get it, you know. And then who, you know, who sits down with you, the whole band? The whole band did. Yeah. And who does the talking? Like who's? Mark. Mark, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark's probably the closest to the lounge. And he's just like, dude. Yeah. Well, he's also like, like a big partier in the band as well. But he, you know, he's just like, look, you know, I'm not trying to be a hypocrite. But you know you're you're just going too far, and he was right, man. He was right. So and the band was right, and uh, you know, and three weeks later, I'm in a coma. So <laughs> I mean, wow. maybe if I wasn't drinking a bottle of uh, Jameson a night, which I was at that point. Wow, uh, that's a lot. Yeah, if I wasn't drinking a bottle of Jameson a night, maybe I wouldn't have gotten sick. You know, obviously my immune system was way down, and I wasn't taking care of myself, and always hungover and shit. So yeah, all of that. Taking all of that into consideration, yes, I've slowed down, and um, I mean, I still drink. You know, I still have a good time, but I try not to go overboard as much as I used to. 
Do you, do you limit yourself to like days that you drink? Like I won't yes. drink this day to that day. Absolutely. Yeah. I, D, I DJ in San Francisco every Saturday night at a, a club or a bar called the Willows. I do like a metal night for me and my buddy Manny DJ for six hours. So I know on Thursday nights I'll be drinking, you know, people buy me drinks. I get free drinks at the bar. I'm there from six to midnight. So, you know, I, I might go the first two hours, three hours without a drink, but eventually I'll have one. So, yeah, I know I always know Thursdays I drink <laughs> and uh, maybe one other day around the in the weekend or in the week. But I try to limit it to, to two days a week I'll drink. And even if I do drink, I try to get hammered. So, you know, obituary was definitely a, a, a celebration for sure, man. It was hella fun seeing you and everybody. And I wasn't saying no that night. Everyone was like, hey, you want a drink? Yeah, sure. You know, like, right. <laughs> Very fun. <laughs> when you, uh, you know, I wanted to talk to you about the DJing thing, too, because I think that's, I think that's killer that you're like, I didn't, I didn't know you had a partner. I just thought it was you who was doing the whole thing. But so you're doing a D, you're doing a DJ thing and you're doing it quite a bit. I'm seeing like you're, you're doing it. You know, you just did one in Oakland the other night where you yep. had like a metal, I don't know, swap meet or whatever. Where exactly. That's exactly. fans could come in and sell their merchandise. Nobody performed, but you did the DJing, and then local bands all sold merch and you know, yep. Yep. promoted themselves, networked, whatever. Yep. Uh, that was hella fun. Okay, that one I did by myself because it was only like <clears throat> it was like four hours. Like when I DJ at the Willows in San Francisco on Thursdays, it's six hours. So that's just a little too far to go by yourself. I mean, that's. That's a lot of records lot to bring. Of six hours, dude. What is it, eight to two a.m. <laughs> it's six to midnight. Oh, six to midnight. Okay. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of records to bring to fill up six hours. So I need help with that one. Are you, but bringing, that's a, are you actually bringing records? Vinyl. I do only oh. vinyl. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah, it's backbreaking work, man. <laughs> I mean, those things aren't aren't light. Why don't, why don't you just bring everything on a fucking spotify like because it's not there's no romance there man like it's uh, <laughs> people like to look at the records and you know it's an oh, so you thing. like you show them like this is the record that i'm playing or whatever. i have a little little display thing i put the record up in front of the turntables and people okay. walk up and take pictures of it or like whoa you know so it's like an interactive thing <clears throat> and I just, I don't know. I just feel like a fool just having a laptop and press, pressing a button. I want to, I want to put the work in, you know, I'll <laughs> put the groove in the record and, you know, it's just fun. I, I enjoy it. And you're blending it. Like, are you, when you, like, if you're like a DJ at a club, like a, you know, like a dance club, you're trying to keep like the tempo the same. So you're getting the, thing. sure. are you trying to do that too? It, yeah. Like if a song had a song fades out, I'll make sure the next song has a fade in of some sort and nothing too jarring and tempo change or, or stylistic change. Like I wouldn't go from like suffocation to to Motley Crue or something. You know what I mean? Like I, I'll make sure it, it, it was like a little, there's peaks and valleys and they all make sense. So I, I am conscious about what I'm playing and what kind of flow happens, you know? I'm I'm always curious about that with DJs because I know like, I don't know if you've heard this, but uh, that there was a festival that just got announced that did like insane business. It was called the when we were young festival. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it's basically like all the emo stuff. So like my chemical romance and the used and, you know, a bunch of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's got some modern bands, but, but part of the reason that they um, did that was because all over America, there's been emo nights 
on weekends where it's just a DJ coming in playing in emo shit from the 2000s and mm-hmm. it like apparently does fucking crazy insane business like mm-hmm. now a thousand people for just a dude not carrying vinyl yeah right <laughs> just pressing the space bar you know and then they based it off of that and then it was a huge success so i'm curious like what is what's the stuff that when you're playing these metal nights like what's the shit that everybody's like i don't know if they get on the dance floor but like everybody headbangs or everybody just fucking rocks out or whatever i mean not to sound cliche but like it's slayer is definitely one of them dude like if i play anything from hello Eights or rain and blood or south of heaven i there's always people getting up and pushing each other or headbanging or a, a glass will shatter drinks will spill so yeah slayer is definitely a, a, a favorite and a lot of new wave of British heavy metal, like uh, Satan and stuff like that. Oh, people, wow. people really get into that stuff too, man. Okay. Uh, like Diamond Head, you know, like old stuff like that. Oh, like that old, huh? Wow, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially Satan, man. That band, I didn't realize there were so many Satan fans in the Bay Area, but them and Angel Witch. When I play Angel Witch too, people get really into that. I love Angel Witch. I, yeah, I, had, I had the Satan record. I It was good. I, I mean, if I had to pick between them and Angel Witch, I was way more into Angel Witch. Me too. Me yeah. too. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, but the cool thing at that uh, that uh, thing I did on Saturday in Oakland with all the bands selling their merch, uh, the the best part of the night was when Chris Contos came up when I was playing Circle of the Tyrants and we air drummed the whole song together, the entire song, <laughs> and everyone was filming it and shit. <laughs> that was fun. That's cool. <laughs> what do you do like for? I'm curious though, like. There was an era and, you know, Machine Head kind of came about in that era where there was no vinyl. Like, you know, our first like four albums like was just CD, yep. you know, maybe cassette. You know what I mean? Like yep. there, there was a kind of a period in there. I mean, I guess some of them have been reissued. But like, what do you do for do you play any of that era where there was no vinyl? So, yeah, a lot of those albums are coming out now on vinyl, like Burn My Eyes and right. just mid 90s to late 90s stuff. So. I'm picking them up and, and buying them. But at the time, obviously, I was just buying CDs. That was my only option. Yeah. But, you know, the 90s were kind of a golden era for heavy metal vinyl because no one wanted them. The The price for them was plummeting. Like, so I remember going to a record store in Hollywood, like in 94, 95, and buying, like, the enta- entire Venom discography on vinyl for under 100 bucks. Oh, wow. So... It was like all the full lengths, all the live albums, all the singles, everything, you know. So no one cared about vinyl, especially heavy metal vinyl in 1994, 95, 96. So, dude, I would just ransack record stores and just fucking stock up. So the bulk of my record collection, I was collecting records since the 80s, but the bulk of my collection has come from shopping in the 90s, man. Golden age, golden age. And now all those records, like, a copy of black metal would be like 50 bucks now or something right. on the low end, you know? So heavy metal vinyl is stored in prices and it sucks, but it doesn't suck for me so much. Cause I already bought them. So right. you know, I have all the albums I want pretty much. So the, Warhead, yeah. the Warhead EP probably is worth bank now. Totally. Totally, man. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so for, yeah, for nineties releases, uh, I'm buying all the reissues. I have the burn my eyes reissue. I think I uh, back on black put that one out. Do you know who put that out? The burn my eyes reissue. It was through Rhino. Like it wasn't. It wasn't okay. taken by us. They didn't even fucking tell us about it. We were kind of pissed off at them actually. Right. They, they included a bunch of demos that they didn't own, and we were like, "What the fuck, dude?" Right. 
So, so yeah, so that's how I'm filling up the the '90s gap now. With all so, the so, but it's still like mid to late '80s is like the most popular stuff that you play. I'm just oh, trying yeah. to, I'm trying trying to get like an era, you know. Oh, trying to get a scope? Like, yeah, yeah. I yeah. play, I play like seventy-five percent eighties and seventies records. Gotcha. And then you know, I'll throw in like a suffocation or whoever. Like stuff that's more recent, but for the most part, it's seventies and eighties for sure. I mean, do you play like a new Cannibal Corpse song? Or do you oh yeah, do I? I, I buy new records. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have the new Cannibal. I, I play that all the time. I play the new Exodus. I oh, play, cool. uh, yeah. yeah. You know, shit like that. Totally. Right on. So, how does that stuff go over? Like Exodus so far, the, the the three or four times I've played them at my DJ night and at the thing in Oakland goes over well, man. That album's well received, and people know it's Exodus right away, dude. As soon as you hear, hear that razor sharp guitar tone, okay, like people razor know razor sharp guitar tone. Yeah, Fuck, I love yeah. It. So yeah, that definitely goes over well, man, for sure. You know what? What artists? I keep on trying to push it down people's throats, but it never gets a positive positive response. Is the Vinnie Vincent invasion? I love that first album, dude. I love it. Come on now, Will. But people, people don't like it, man. <laughs> Could it be the all pink outfit with the all pink amps and the all pink drum set? <laughs> that and the out of key, out of tune solos going way too fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sh- shrill madness. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know if I know of Vinnie Vincent. What's the What's the Vinnie Vincent hit? What's the hit that he had? Boys are gonna rock. The boys are gonna. Rock. <laughs> Have you watched that? Uh, have you watched that Peacemaker show? Uh, I have not. No. So Peacemaker, I just finished up the series last night. Uh, Peacemaker is a offshoot of the second Suicide Squad. So there's two Suicide Squads. One's called Suicide Squad. Then there's the Suicide Squad. Right. And John Cena was a character in the second one called the Suicide Squad. And then he, his character was Peacemaker. Now there's a series called Peacemaker, which is based off of the, all those dc characters yes yeah, it's, it's to do with the the helmet right the gold yes, to helmet. Do with the helmet yeah yeah the tights and the red shirt and it's pretty funny pretty raunchy and uh pretty gory and violent and uh and john cena is f- pretty fucking funny but the thing that i think is pretty classic about it is that it's all like the d-league glam bands <laughs> from the 80s have all got their music in there and that the whole premise of the show is only d-league glam 80s you know cock rock bands and every fucking song is about rock right okay. every single song it's just like oh my you know he wears a pretty boy floyd shirt i'm like pretty boy floyd come on now <laughs> Well, but, yeah, Vinny Viss is right in that category, man. <laughs> yeah, he, he might have even been too big for it, you know, because he was in Kiss. <laughs> so, right, right. Like, you're, 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 you're like C League. <laughs> did, did you go to? Did you see Iron Maiden on the Somewhere in Time tour at the Oakland Coliseum? Did you go to that tour? Is that the one where they had the uh, the ice castles all over the place? That was a follow up tour. Somewhere okay. in Time was like a futuristic, like Blade, oh, right, Blade right, Runner right. type of scene. Anyways, Vinnie Vincent opened that show. He he opened that leg of the tour. Okay. So he actually did make it to arenas on his own for a second. For a second. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I saw that one. I might have kind of I might have kind of bailed on Maiden around that era. Most people did. I did I saw I saw the Somewhere in Time with Guns N' Roses opening at the amphitheater at the shoreline. That was uh Seventh Sun. Seventh Sun. Oh, was that Seventh Sun? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I saw um I saw them on Peace of Mind. I saw them on Number of the Beast opening for Scorpions. Wow. 
Yeah, that was my first time seeing Maiden. That was sick. It was fucking awesome. And uh, I saw them one other time somewhere. In Probably there. Power Slave when they had the, the pyramids. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I can't remember where it was. I don't know why I don't remember that one very clearly. But I saw, mm. I saw it was Maiden and Saxon for... Uh, Maiden Peace of Mind. Saxon for Peace of Mind, yeah. And, and Fastway, right? Yeah, Saxon yes. and Fastway. Yes. Yeah, Fastway. Did you go to that? No, I was too young, but I remember the show happening. Yeah. I remember, I remember, yeah, totally. <laughs> I wish I was there. But Vinnie Vincent played that, yeah. I mean... I, I gotta say, of all the Kiss, you know, I hate Kiss. I know you <laughs> I fucking do. Fucking hate Kiss, but out of all the Kiss records, the only Kiss record I fucking like is the one Vinnie Vincent's on. Lick it up, you like Lick it up? Is that no? I thought he was on Creatures too. He's not, he, he plays on Creatures as well. Yeah, Creatures of yeah. the Night's a sick album. Yeah, I think I think Creatures of the Night has got some fucking great songs. Totally. You know, War Machine. Totally. Uh, the title track. The title track. Yeah. Um, I, I even like what's the opening the love it loud or whatever yeah yeah, yeah that one and st- not it's not still loving you but it's I still love you I still love you yeah 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 yeah, yeah those are some I can I can jam out on that era of kiss and that's and then I also love the disco kiss so I was being for love yeah, yeah. that's not the only other fucking everything after that I fucking can't stand yeah yeah I I've, I've known this about you for years like you're not a kiss man. Yeah. <laughs> So and you are the diehard Kiss fan. You've probably seen oh, yeah. Kiss every time. And you know what? To their credit, I have seen Kiss when they came through with Anthrax. I went and saw Kiss. Oh, you went to that Unmasked. show. This was the unmasked Kiss. Yeah, dude, I was at that show. It was Kiss at their worst point. Like, <laughs> uh, it was on Crazy Nights tour. That's when they really popped out. Like they they had Bon Jovi's producer for that record, and they totally totally whipped out. And Anthrax was touring for Among the Living, so they were at the peak of their they're the most thrashiest, you know. Right. So they crushed Kiss, man. They blew them away. They fucking did blow them away. And I, a, I, you know what? I've never actually seen makeup Kiss. Wow. Well, and, you know, as it as it gets towards the end, I'm like, I should just go because, like, I should just fucking go because I'm fucking in a band and I should go see fucking makeup Kiss. Right. Well, prepare to be underwhelmed. I mean, <laughs> it, it, that it's too late now, dude. I yeah. saw them. Is it? I saw them last year at the Shoreline, and uh, yeah, it was a it, it was a pretty slow gig. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I, you can have as many bombs as you want, but when you're playing the songs at like a snail's pace, every song oh, was really? way yeah, just playing everything really slow and lethargic, kind of man. Like it was it was hard to get into it, man. Wow, crazy. <laughs> so I I wouldn't suggest it. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, all good. I feel I feel better about myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel I don't not better about myself, but better about that concept. Right. Then I, can, then I can go the rest of my life without ever seeing Kiss, and I'll be fine. Yeah, just just, just to keep the memories of not seeing him in your head. Yeah. <laughs> Happy. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I just feel like I should. You know, right. I mean? like right. I feel obligated. I some weird sense of obligation because I. I'm in a band. <laughs> well, come on. It's their farewell tour. So they have to come through at least three more times. Right. So, yeah. Seventh, seventh year of their farewell tour. Exactly. Exactly. I was like, that's the way to do it, man. I think I'm just going to announce a farewell tour and then tour for like 10 more years. Totally. I mean, that's what Slayer should have done. They could have milked that for a good another five years, man, at least. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, totally. Fucking hell. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I, did, I touched on a little bit on your childhood, and I was just wondering if you're, other than your brothers, were your, was your parents into music? Like, were they, did anybody in your family, like your mom or dad, play music? 
Yeah, my dad, um, <clears throat> for a little while in his young years, was an Irish folk singer and actually put out a record. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, yeah, forty-five. Is your dad was... from? Uh, is your dad from Ireland? Yeah. Yeah, your whole family's like Irish as fuck, right? Well, yeah, yeah. My dad is. He was. He came here, like in his twenties, I guess. But yeah, he's from Limerick, and uh, yeah, he put out a forty-five, like in the oh, like a single, a single, yeah called tall timber and it was uh this irish folk music you know so he was very musical he's always singing and stuff and my mom played piano but it was my older sister who really uh turned me on to like rock music when i was like five years old she brought home aerosmith rocks that was one of the first albums i gravitated to and kiss alive Two, and uh, van halen one and zeppelin and you know so she was the one who really was the the early inspiration for me checking out music for sure right on yeah but very musical family like there was always music playing someone singing or whistling or yeah it's just always nobody playing drums though no one playing drums and you know i wanted to be a guitar player or a lead singer and when um when uh, like in the fifth grade or fourth grade when they start doing music class uh, i went into the music room and i didn't see a guitar and they didn't have any vocal classes or anything. So the only instrument that was in there that was anything close to rock music was drums. And I was like, ah, oh, man, I don't want to play the drums. I don't want to be in the background. I want to be up front, you know? Uh, so, but, you know, I didn't hear any tubas or or uh, flutes and Kiss or Aerosmith. So I was like, all right, I'll play the drums. So I, so I settled for the drums. <laughs> and, I still, and I still can't play guitar. <laughs> Well, you can sing. You sang. Uh, you sang at the Rob Flynn and Friends benefit, and that that's was, right. You that's and Tom. Right. Hunt, you and Tom Hunting got the drummers got center stage. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, you that was were, great. You guys were lavishing in the attention. It was great. <laughs> I think I sang "Fairies Wear Boots," maybe. And I think you sang "Paranoid" too. Maybe that too. Oh, that's right. I did yeah. sing "Paranoid." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Tom times. and Tom sang a bunch. Tom sang like six songs. He sang Symptom of the Universe. Yeah, he sang all the super high, like, later Aussie shit. Everybody was like, no, you go ahead. (laughs) Yep, yep. That was great, man. That was a good night. He came out in the fucking kimono. Yep. Yeah, that was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, he was was all doing the peace signs and shit. That was awesome. Totally. I got to say, at that Exodus show, not to go back, I'm just kind of jumping around, but I, I fucking got, like, I totally got, like, welled up, dude, when he stood up. You know, like, Zetro gave that awesome speech kind of, propping up tom and surviving cancer and i mean and then he lifted up his shirt and showed the fuck i was like fuck man i was you know having watched that dude since i was 17 years old i was just like fuck like it was i don't know why it hit me so hard but it hit me really hard yeah man he's a miracle for sure and uh he's a strong strong individual dude mentally and physically I, i love the guy and i'm i'm stoked he pulled through man like a champ yeah, he's didn't didn't phase him at all, really. Like his drumming is everything. I could just talking to him. He's in, in good headspace, and uh, he soldiered through. Man, it's really awesome. How how influential was? I'm now I'm going to just jump back to the future. How influential is Tom Hunting to your drumming style? Well, we're both lefties, you know, so that was an early inspiration when I first started getting into thrash metal, and I discovered Exodus. 
even though he plays like traditional left-handed, like, you know, he does his fills backwards and his hi-hats over here. I play open-handed left-hand with on a right-handed kit. So I do oh, my well, fills. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So it's considerably different, but just the fact that he's left-handed, that alone was a big inspiration for me. But, oh, dude, his, uh, his like, his his bizarre placement of flams, like, before he accents on a cymbal and a snare, like, through that. Like, like really quick little like sharp attacks. I love that shit, man. I, I try to do it all the time. I completely ripped that off from him. <laughs> but I love his drumming, dude. I, I love touring with him. And uh, we've done lots of tours together. And we're always like swapping stories and little tips and talking about drums all the time. And it's just great. It's great. He's a huge inspiration. Yeah. He's a fucking great dude. Awesome. Yeah. One of my favorite drummers. Totally. Just so you know, it is, I just set my timer for this. It's, hold on, let me do this. It is 222 on mm -hmm. 222. Oh, shit. Whoa, bro. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't, it's whatever you want it to mean. Infinity. <laughs> 222 on 222. Yeah. No, Tom, honey, yeah. I, I, yeah, I just wonder that because I think, I, in my opinion, he's one of those, like, Lombardo and Lars and Benante get all the love, for sure, mm -hmm. you know, and and I don't know if there's a Megadeth drummer that quite gets the love, you know, maybe like the early, maybe Gars, or, you know. Or sometimes Nick Menza, yeah, but uh, mm -hmm. but not like that, though. I, I know what you mean. Tom, to me, is like, deserves to be, if there was a big four of drummers, Tom would be number four, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, and uh, of, of almost all the drummers from the Bay Area and abroad, I mean, he has the most recognizable style. Like when I hear him playing, man, like you could tell it's Tom hunting and that's such a hard thing to do, especially on the drums, you know, like to like be able to express yourself and get, get your, your style across so well that you, you recognize it right away, man. That's fucking awesome, dude. And like hearing an album, like fabulous disaster, like the, the second you hear the drums, you know, it's Tom hunting, like on those like father, like son. And some of those right. songs, man, it's just awesome, dude. Totally. Yeah, what's that one? What's the song that I'm thinking of? That the song that starts off with the drums. On maybe, maybe it is Father Like Son. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it is totally fabulous disaster. Yeah, and like uh, occasion hell. Like yeah, it's just some of those songs, man. The drums, the drums really drive that album, man. I, if if it wasn't Tom Hunting playing drums on that record, I don't know if it'd be as good. You know, if they had some faster drummer or just some hot shot drummer who did tons of crazy fills. It wouldn't, it wouldn't sound as good, man. Tom Hunting's style is perfect uh, for Exodus, you know? When you start getting into thrash, what's, you know, you're living in, San, are you living in San Francisco at this Daily point? Daily City, Daily, Daily City. City. Okay. So you're, you're, you're living in Daily City and, you know, are you seeing, is Death Angel the first kind of introduction to thrash or are you hearing like, Except, or are you listening to KUSF or anything like that? Uh, no, we didn't have that in San in Daly City, but Death Angel were already like legends in Daly City, dude. I was hearing about them from the age of like, dude, eleven or something, man. Like, or maybe even younger. But like, they were already legends in Daly City before they started touring the world and putting out albums. So I, I had heard about them, like, there's a bunch of Filipino guys playing metal. I was like, whoa, I, I had no Filipinos could do that. No, I was kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm joking. I grew up in the Filipino community, so I was around them all the time. I love right, them. totally. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, City, there's a lot of Filipinos in Daly City. Yeah, yeah, big time. Not, it's not surprising they're Filipino. Yeah. Totally. 
And, uh, you know, it was just, that was def- definitely a, a unique thing, like a all Filipino thrash metal band, all related, all cousins. So they were definitely, I definitely knew about them. I hadn't heard their music until a little later, but I definitely knew the name. But yeah, when I heard uh, Ride the Lightning, that that changed everything, you know, like I was already listening to like Accept and, you know, Shout Out the Devil and, you know, Early Ozzy and Maiden and Priest and all that stuff. But uh, when I heard, um, and Kiss, <laughs> but when I heard um, Ride the Lightning, that was just a life-changing moment for sure, man. That's like, I couldn't believe the guitar tone. That's what took me aback. Like, wow, I didn't know guitar could be that that rough sounding, you know, and heavy. Yeah, and then and then then the, the double bass break or fire fire with fire. I was I didn't know drums could do that, and I was like, "Whoa, you can't do that!" Uh, like that, that, that's against the rules, man. You can't play. <laughs> I mean, that's what it seemed like. <laughs> so yeah, that definitely um, definitely was life changing. Who plays then, the lightning for the first time? My my brother Mike. He went to the day on the green with Scorpions, Rat, and Metallica. Oh, yeah. yeah. Killer. and he was like dude this fucking band played man i th- i think they blew away everybody i he wasn't sure if he liked it or not but he was like dude <laughs> these guys are the heaviest band i've ever seen so he went out and got ride the lightning and i'd already been seeing the name metallica on people's jackets by that point i'd go like to the mall or something and i'd see some metal heads with uh the metal up your ass back patch with the toilet right. Right. I'm like, what the fuck is that all about, man? <laughs> in retrospect, it's so in retrospect, it's the weirdest fucking thing. <laughs> Dude, I mean, yeah. I was like, do I want to listen to that? <laughs> it was so like fucking back then it was like the craziest thing you'd ever seen. But like now when I look at it, I'm like, that's so stupid. Like totally. I'm sticking out of a toilet. Totally, man. <laughs> so um yeah, when he brought that record home and it, it totally blew me away. And I remember the next thing I got, like immediately I went out and got Peace Cells. Oh, and then, and yeah, yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah, Peace Cells. And then when I got into more vinyl, you go by vinyl. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. And then an old. You still have your original vinyl. Oh, fuck yeah. Every single one, dude. Everyone. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's funny when when, when I I DJ at Willows on Thursdays. I have all original press and the guy I DJ with it, it's all reissues from like two years ago. I'm like, fucking poser. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love Manny. Uh, but um, but the, I, the the thing that got me into the really, really heavy stuff after Ride the Lightning was an older, older kid from Daly City who was already in high school, and I was in like seventh grade or eighth grade. He made a dub tape of uh of Hellhammer's Apocalyptic Raids. Oh, okay. And I was like, whoa, dude, that, that was that was crazy. That was crazy. So that was what introduced me to, I guess, the world of death metal and, you know, the, the heavier stuff eventually. Yeah, I mean, Triumph of Death was almost comical. And it's like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. It, it was agonizing to get to sit through the whole thing. It's like, Jesus. <laughs> me and my friend used to laugh at it, but we were just like, Jesus, what is But it sounded so heavy. We were like, fuck, what is going on? totally <laughs> I, can't, I can't say that i loved it you know like i i we listened to it and i and i was just like whoa this is crazy and then the album covers like the devil with the huge cock and yep. thorns all in it yep but but when i heard morbid tales that's when i was like oh fuck he's like yeah this is that hellhammer dude's band and i was like wow this is fucking savage totally totally on that tape too it was uh it was hellhammer apocalyptic raids slayers uh, haunting the chapel that was my first introduction to slayer was haunting the chapel wow that, that's a good way to start man i, I love that ep dude 
Oh man. Fuck yeah. Um, and I think, uh, well, I think what Melissa was on that tape as well. And I didn't know what to think of merciful fate. No, uh, I, I didn't like it at first. And I was like, yeah. what the, is this too, too left to center for me? You know, and the vocals, vocals are super high. And even just the, the eerie vibe of the guitar interplay, I the whole thing is just, I wasn't ready for it, man. So it, that took a few weeks or months to get into, but of course, so the I first was. thing that grabbed you was Hellhammer. For the super heavier stuff, yes. Okay, wow, crazy. Yes. Not Slayer. Uh, I mean, Hellhammer was on side one, so I heard that first. Okay. And then I heard Chemical Warfare. I was like, oh, shit, okay, this is more advanced and a lot tighter. <laughs> and a lot more going on. But, yeah, it was Hellhammer. That, that's the first time I heard, like, real evil stuff, I guess, you know? Yeah, and by this point, you're, you've are you already been playing drums with your brothers doing the kiss and the fucking... Yes, yes, so yes. you immediately just switch gears and start trying to learn Hellhammer songs and... Yeah, like, um, it almost happened overnight, you know? I was totally into Rat and the crew and, you know, stuff like that. And then overnight, after getting Ride the Lightning and then hearing that tape and getting P-Cells, I stopped buying those kind of records, like... I didn't buy Rat's fourth album, you know. Like I, I was into them for the first three, then I discovered the heavier stuff. Were and, good. Yeah, the first three were good. The fuck EP, yeah, man! Out of the cellar EP and uh, Invasion of Your Privacy. That's got some good yeah. stuff on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Love the first two Motley Crews. Oh yeah, still do, still do. I they lost me when they started wearing polka dots in pink. Yep. On the theater yep. pain, I was like, ah. Mm. It was kind of perfect timing, like when these bands started sucking. And right when Metallica was coming up and, you know, it all, all went hand in hand, you know, because I was so betrayed by the priest with Turbo and I, I was betrayed by the crew. I was way into the crew for the first two albums. And then when I saw the back cover of uh, Theater of Pain, I was like, oh, no, man. And then I, I saw the smoking in the boys room video. I was crushed, dude. Right. And, and I never went back. I never Ooh, really okay. went back to the crew. Totally awful. Yeah. And that was it for, for, for bands like that. You know, I just fully went on into thrash and then eventually death metal. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, so. I, I, I gave crew a chance after that. I, like I, I was like, I didn't, uh, I didn't hate, uh, like later on I was just like, ah, I can kind of get into the, what's the fucking ballot, the piano ballot, uh, uh home sweet home. Yes. Home sweet home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's a good song, you know, pop, just a pop, just a great pop song. I'm I'm kind of a creature of, of, of habit. So like just because I was a, such a fan of them earlier, I went as far as the girls, girls, girls. I bought that album. Okay. And I was I was already like my walls in my bedroom were already covered in Merciful Fate, King Diamond, everything right. evil. Yeah. Um, but I bought Girls, 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 and I just wanted to punch myself when I was at home was listening like, to yeah. it. I was like, dude, this is terrible, man. That, like, that record's pretty trash. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I, can, I can jam I can jam on a couple of Dr. Feelgood songs though. I do like Kickstart My Heart. I think that's a jammer. And, and yeah, and the title track is pretty heavy, totally. Yeah. yeah. And but then uh, after that, I don't know what happened. I just yeah. yeah. But totally. those first two, I must. I probably stared at "Shout at the Devil" that inside, like this is the fucking coolest band I've ever seen. <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. You pull, out, you pull out the fucking, you pull out the slide, and it's got the big pentagram on the fucking yep. you know, disc thing, and I was like, okay, like this is fucking cool. And even totally. if the songs weren't really, other than the title track, nothing's really that evil. Like, it's all just kind of about chicks. Totally. <laughs> Fucking chicks. And basically, too fast, for too young to fall in love. And like, but it's still, Red Hot was a banger. And I was like, all right, they were heavy still. And is, the funny thing about Shout at the Devil is like, I've read that uh, Tommy Lee 
was actually a big Venom fan when he was really young, like in like 81, 82. And there's actually pictures of him wearing a Welcome to Hell shirt. If you, oh, see, shit, huh? if you see some old photographs, yeah. And Nikki Six kind of like Venom too at the time. And you know, you can kind of hear Venom riffs on Shout at the Devil. Right. Like they're cleaned up, you know, and you know, they're not, not presented the way Venom would present them, but they could be Venom riffs like the jun, 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 jun. there's a lot of that right. kind of stuff, you know. Right. You know, so. now that you point that out, that's funny. <laughs> I can totally hear that. Yeah, like like Welcome to Hell and Looks That Kill. Those riffs aren't that they're, far not, off. they're pretty fucking close now that you say <laughs> it. Like I've never even thought about that. Dude, yeah. Totally. Yeah. They're really close. <laughs> totally, man. <laughs> it's really close. Holy fuck. So, you know. You should you got, do it at your DJ thing. You should do a mashup. <laughs> I should do a compare and contrast. Oh, yeah, mashup totally with Shout yeah. the Devil. They're almost the same tempo, too, man. <laughs> yeah. That'd be pretty funny. People would be like, what? Totally blasphemy. <laughs> it would be good. No, that's, yeah, I, I agree with you, though. Like, I, I, I can. I can see with that, and you were right. Like that did come, and even like for me, Maiden, I still always loved Maiden, but they changed just enough. Like even Power Slave, they started losing me a little bit. By that mm -hmm. point, like we're already at like Ride the Lightning, Peace Cells, you know, yeah. Hello Waits is already out. I'm like this. I'm all in over here. Like this is fucking sick. Totally. Um, and I love Power Slave, but I can see where you're coming from with that, but. For me, it was uh, the follow-up. Somewhere in time was just such a huge jump in a different direction with the keyboard, guitars, and everything. Like it just really softened their touch. Every major ma major label metal band at the time did that, right? I don't know why. I mean, I know why, but I mean, it's just, it was all at the same time, like eighty-five, eighty-six. Yeah. All those bands just tanked, you know. So it was a changing of the guard, you know. Yeah. And you're, uh, are you in a band at this point? when this starts happening yeah i started playing my first band was in 1987 called armament armament yeah good. that's heavy it's a, it's a good name and, and you know on paper it looks good but being from daily city a, a lot of my friends were directly from the philippines and, and english wasn't their first language so a lot of my friends couldn't pronounce our band name and they would call us ornament <laughs> <laughs> you're or like, you're like what the fuck dude <laughs> or army men what like, was army men playing it's like dude you know so the name didn't work all that well but we were a terrible band like just kind of like a mixture of the misfits we were doing misfits covers and kind of like a, a mixture of the misfits and the voivod like and not pulling either wow. one off yeah it was a mess a mess but I we mean, still I I think that, well, you haven't touched on your punk rock. That's funny. Like, you haven't even mentioned, you know, any. I'm not much of a punk rock guy, but the people I, I was playing with okay. in my first band loved the Misfits, and they were all about that. Uh, and you're and, just trying to jam with somebody. Like, you don't fucking care what you're playing, right? Exactamundo. Um, but we were playing shows. Over, we were playing house parties and stuff in Daly City and San Francisco in 87. And our first show was. At how, the how old are you at this point? Like, what are you still in high school? I'm in junior high going into high school. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Um, and our, fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, house parties. Our first show was at you're, the... You're, you're probably drinking and smoking and everything at this point, huh? I was drinking some beer, yeah. I didn't start smoking weed till like, the end of high school. But uh, um, uh, our first show was at this place called the Pony Express Pizza Parlor. Do you remember that place, the Pony mm -hmm. Express in Redwood City? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's where I played my very first gig. 
with armament. Yeah. And then that's not a house party. No, it's not a house party. It was a real place where people had to pay money to go in. And, yeah. and only that place. This is your first show that isn't a house party. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, you're playing house parties in DC and, and in San Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco. It, yeah. Those must have uh, been pretty fun, though. Oh, dude. Cops like, showing like, up. This is kegger parties and shit, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. Cops showing up. One raging party near um, top of the hill, Daly City, but on the San Francisco side of the hill, uh, broke out in a fight. And the fight broke out when I was loading my loading my drums out of the house, and these two groups of dudes decided to use my drums as weapons. Oh I mean, one guy had a floor tom and bashed it over <laughs> someone's head, and, <laughs> and I was just screaming around, going, "Not the snare! Not the snare!" Because that was the only thing on my kit that was actually nice. I had a nice snare drum. Right. So I was just begging this dude, this huge like sunset sunset skinhead pod kind of guy. He had my snare in his hand. And he was going to bash this other guy with it. And I begged him. And he was cool about it. He he handed it to me. I was like, well, dude, thanks, man. <laughs> we fucking riot on. <laughs> what's, a, uh, what's a break down a sunset skinhead pod kind of dude? What's what's that? Like a, for the listeners. A fucking six, six foot five white boy uh, skinhead, maybe wearing like an RKL T-shirt. And he was very keep laughing t shirt. <laughs> yeah, totally. He was very intimidating, but you no, know, he he heard my plea and gave me back my snare. So <laughs> but yeah, those were wild scenes, man. Uh playing with other Daily City bands like fucking corrupted innocence and demented and just lots of there was a Daily City scene, you know, a lot of Yeah, totally. There was a big scene really yeah 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 I mean, it was kind of and kind of was the scene in a way totally you know like the for san francisco like as much as the bay area kind of gets this credit like most of the you know the metallicas the exodus they were all east bay and like not even like east bay like richmond and el cerrito east bay so like absolutely up north and like not in oakland not in berkeley you know like yeah. all the venues might have been there but they were all from their panel Totally, totally. Yeah, so Daily City was like the other scene where stuff was happening. I mean, Death Angel, you know, they're from Daily City. They they weren't a San Francisco band until they got older and moved into San Francisco, you know. So, and I think yeah, Rob, Rob was from like Concord. Exactly. Somebody else was too, I think. Well, Mark uh, Mark went to high school in Concord as well, man. So yeah, yeah. when they when they first yeah, I think it was Mark that was from Concord. I can't remember. Maybe Both of them, Mark Mark and Rob. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, you know, that band arm, it didn't last very long. We played like the stone once the Omni two or three times and recorded like, no, that's big shit. Like, yeah, those, are, yeah, like those, yeah. are the, those are the big metal venues of the time. Dude, our last show at the stone in 1988 or early 89, we were opening for a band called Apocrypha. Do you remember a band called Apocrypha? They were mm-hmm. on shrapnel, total yep. shrapnel band. Yep. It was Apocrypha, Blackstorm. And Blackstorm was another shrapnel band, I think. And then us, it's like a fucking mis- barely a Misfits cover band. Oh, but it's show, you know. So it didn't didn't make any sense. But that was our last gig. And then within a month or two, Ted and I. Oh, Ted was in Armament as well. Oh, I should okay. mention that. Yeah, he was in Armament. Oh, and, the whole time. Yeah, the whole time. Oh, okay. uh, so yeah, for a fucking long time. Yeah, I met him uh, freshman year in high school. He was a transplant from another school in San Francisco. It was mid-year, and I was I was late for a class. I was running to my class, and I saw this 
this Filipino metalhead dude walking by with a Don't Break the Oath shirt on. And I, I stopped it like in, in, in mid-run and went, that's a fucking badass shirt, dude. And I just kept running. <laughs> and that, that's how we got to know each other. That yeah. Rules. <laughs> that fucking rules. Totally. <laughs> so uh, once Armament broke up, Ted and, and that I... That would have been pretty rare, too, to see somebody rocking a Don't Break the Oath shirt. Totally, dude. Yeah. Totally, totally. And especially at my school, Westmore High School, uh, the, the heaviest those kids got was Metallica. They didn't go any heavier than that, you know. So Merciful Fate, that was unheard of, you know. Um, but yeah, shortly after that band broke up, Ted and I formed Warfare DC, like within a month. And that was uh, Ted, me and Ted and his older brother Rob on bass and vocals. Okay. And um, that was like the first real band I was in. Like, you no, know, we started, we put out some real demos and we played a lot of big shows with, uh, I think our biggest show was probably opening for, death pestilence and carcass mm. at the omni wow in ni- 1990 so that was carcass's first tour of the states i was gonna say pestilence over carcass crazy yeah yeah imagine that totally man but uh that was a huge show and that was the first time like we experienced pay to play at its maximum you know like right. our guarantee for that show was 800 dollars, and at that time it might as well have been a million we're like whoa how are we gonna make 800 dollars we did though. We sold enough tickets, but oh, wait, yeah, you had to sell eight hundred dollars worth of tickets exactly to play to play if, the show. And yeah. if we were a penny short, they they kick us off the bill. Even yeah, the pay- so this was a thing, you know, for anybody who doesn't remember this era, like <sighs> it wasn't always like this. It used to be just you basically got like gas money, like ten bucks. <laughs> yeah. So like all the early forbidden shows were like, dude, we made ten bucks. Like, oh my god, we made ten bucks. Holy shit! Like, totally yeah, cool. But then somewhere, I don't know, somebody decided that, oh no, we're gonna make bands pay to play. So you had to sell X amount of tickets. It was usually like a number, right? Like you had to sell five hundred dollars yeah. worth of tickets, yeah, in order to get the show. And if you didn't, and you were often like competing with another band, right? Oh yeah, not not on that particular show, but usually. Fuck yeah, there'd be like three local openers and, you know, you'd see three different flyers for the same show called so-and-so at 415, call so-and-so at 510, call yeah. so-and-so at 408, like what the fuck? You yeah, know? And so, so if you if your band didn't sell enough tickets, you didn't get the, even though you sold the fucking tickets, you still, you didn't get the show because this other band sold more tickets than you. Yep. Which was fucked. And another thing they did to Warfare DC quite a few times is they confiscated some of our gear. Until we paid him back. Wow. The Stone and the Omni. About that. I never heard about that. Wow. They both did it to us. One time they confiscated Ted's guitar. Another time they confiscated his amp. That's fucking outrageous, man. Yeah, dude. What totally. The fuck? Totally. Totally against the law, man. You know, right. uh, it's got to be against the law. Like, that's fucking outrageous. So it was stressful. I mean, if you wanted to play with a band like Prong or Violence or, or Forbidden or whoever, you had to do some some salesman action, man. <laughs> you had to really work yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, it was great because you got the opportunity to play with touring huge bands more so than you would now, I guess. But at the same time, you're not getting the gig on your band's merits. You know, like yeah. no one's like saying, hey, this is a killer band. We want them on the bill. They're just saying these guys have a lot of friends and sell a lot of tickets. You know, so yeah, any band could open for death, you know, or whatever, as long as you had the money for it. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of bands started like rich bands just would buy all the tickets and not care. Yep. Yeah, yeah totally. Dude. And then give them out. Yeah. Oh, I, I can name a few bands. I won't, but I could I could I can think of a few bands that would just 
give out free tickets to their shows and have a couple hundred people see them. I got a headlining gig at the stone on a Tuesday night. Right. How the fuck are you doing that? And all of a yeah. sudden they, they and get, everybody knew who they were. You know, yeah, they'd, yeah, they'd, yeah, have like yeah. A, they'd have like a two page ad and bam. And you'd be like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> fuck, like, fuck you. <laughs> like, totally. Or a two page ad and bam. That's like a fucking unsigned band. Like, fuck you. So, you know, so on one of the warfare DC demos, I think either your amp or your guitar was used uh, on our second demo. Lethal injection. Sean, Sean Killian like produced it, I guess. I mean, he uh, he was there oh, and yeah. helped us out with the demo, and we recorded at Audio Voyage, and uh, Nevermore. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I got to the to the studio fine with my drums. Actually, Logan drove my drums to that recording session. Logan Mater. Yeah. Oh wow, crazy. Yeah, yeah, truck, and he uh, he was him and Beth rode in the truck with me, and we uh, took my drums up there. And anyways, Ted and Rob. We're driving their mom's car with their you know, half stacks and their, their amps and their guitars. They got into a car accident and their gear got damaged or something. And so Ted was minus a, an amp and a guitar or something. And uh, Sean, I, Sean either got Phil's guitar in your head or your guitar in Phil's head. But I know oh, okay. both of you guys. Yeah. So we used some of your gear on that demo. Oh, right. Is, yeah. And it came out great, man. Of the three demos, that's the best one, you know? Cool. So. And the, those three demos are being re-released by a label called Dive Bomb Records. They specialize in uh, making compilation CDs of Bay Area bands that never got signed. Oh, so, okay. like, they just put out a, a Wrecking Machine CD oh, with wow. all, all their demos on there. I, so now that. They're, I remember Wrecking Machine. I like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and now they're doing a Warfare DC one. So, uh, Potential Threat ever get signed? No, they no, did not. They, they need to do potential threat next. Totally, time. man. They, they're still around. Are they really? Yeah, man. They're still around. But um, so yeah, uh, Warfare DC was was my first real experience in the the Bay Area thrash scene, I guess you know, and it was good. What what year is that? Like when when is eighty nine to ninety three? Uh, I'm gonna switch gears on you now to a totally unserious question, but then we'll go back to your mm -hmm. life. So, but I'm doing this just because around the time of your age here. So Lars Ulrich and I had a conversation where he uh, pontificates that the reason that people love the Black Album so much is that they lost their virginity to that album. <laughs> and it's, it, it's always like, I just, it was the funniest conversation. Cause I was like the fact that you have to rationalize why your album still sells like 7,000 copies a week is <laughs> fucking hilarious. But you know, <laughs> he's, he's thought it through and that's what his assumption is. So what is the, the music or the song that if any, that you lose your virginity to and, you know, paint, paint the scene for us. Time for destruction. What's that? Appetite for destruction, Guns and Roses. For destruction. Yeah, yeah. Guns I lost, I lost my virginity in '87, and that's around the time that album came out. And uh, how old are you at this point? I am 13. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> <Holy shit. laughs> that's Will. Will Carroll had game. Holy shit! <laughs> the gift of gab, apparently. And you want to hear another funny factoid? Uh, Ted Aguilar. Wait, paint, paint the story for us. Paint the story of your, your losing your virginity. <laughs> um, she, uh, she was a freshman. We were both freshmen in, in at Westmore High School, and she was a total death rocker. 
a total mod chick. She was into the cure and, and Depeche Mode and stuff like that. And, you know, back then, I mean, I guess it's still the case now, but back then I just found goth chicks really hot, you know? <laughs> like I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, she had two older sisters that were also into like Christian death and all that stuff, you know? And um, that was my first girlfriend. And I eventually corrupted her and turned her into a metalhead. <laughs> And it was actually a downward spiral for her. She got, she dropped out of school. When, oh she, got, when she got into metal, she dropped out of school. And uh, yeah, just uh, went, went down a dark path. So Jeez. I guess. I, How, I guess where, where does Guns N' Roses come into it though? Like that's not goth or like thrash. Okay. Okay. Great question. So um, she loved the cult. The cult was her favorite band. Okay. Uh, all three sisters agreed on that band as like yeah. the band and, you know? a, and a former goth band. Exactly. Yes. So like, they were playing. They're playing like love removal machine type shit. Yeah, exactly. So, so they all loved the first album love and they were way into Southern death cult, like the stuff before they were just the cult. They had all that stuff. They were way into it. And then electric came out and they, they turned, turned full circle into like a, a sleazy rock and roll band, you know? Um, and uh, the the cult were playing the Warfield, and a band called Guns N' Roses was opening, and so we were going to the show because they were all going, and I, I like the cult too, so I didn't know who Guns N' Roses were. And um, this is back at the Warfield when there used to be seating on the floor, and we we sat down in front of the Warfield from like eight in the morning until the doors opened. We were the first in line. And so we got inside the Warfield. We had the front row, all of us. My brother was with me, with me and a couple other people. We had a big group, like 10 of us. And we had a front row. And Guns N' Roses came on stage. And I have never been, I've never had such a, a, like a religious experience seeing a band live as I did seeing Guns N' Roses. Because I, I had no expectations. I didn't care about them. I, I was still sitting down when they came on stage. And by the end of the first song, the entire fucking place was going insane, dude. Like, they just shocked it, man. They shocked it. And and also, I wasn't. I was getting out of that kind of stuff. I'm way out of that stuff. The, the teased hair and the the LA look. You know, I was totally into thrash and getting into death metal. But uh, that's how good they were, dude. I mean, like that's how powerful they were. And they blew the cult away. And she was never the same again. She became like a rocker. I, after that night, she bought a Guns N' Roses shirt, started wearing tight clothes. I got rid of all of her black, like billowy dresses and all the black makeup and everything. Yeah. She, that was all gone, dude. She was a total rocker, metalhead chick from that point on. Gotcha. <laughs> and then, and then, not not too much longer after, she deverginized Ted Aguilar. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my gosh! You guys were in good company. You guys were in so much better company than I was when I was 13 years old. Jesus Christ. I should have been hanging out with you guys. Fucking hell. Yeah. So that was the scene. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So 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 then fast forward back to Warfare DC, you guys break mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And then what's the next band after that? Brood. B R O O D. I don't even. We were, I don't know if I know this band. Because you know, uh, we were a good band. We were totally. I feel like I know all your bands too. <laughs> it was me and Ted Aguilar once again. So we're trying it for a third time, 
and we were way into the first Fear Factory album at the time, so that's what we sounded like. Okay. Industrial death metal, you know, that kind of shit. But the scene was so dead here in 93. That's when we formed, or 93, end of 93. There was nowhere to play. Right. There was just, there's no way to circulate our demo, and it, it was just hard. We were hard-pressed to get a gig, so that's why still we never... Play. Still pay to play. Still pay to play, but, like, the Stoneman was closing, and... All the clubs were closing. No right. one gave a shit about metal anymore. I mean, really, until you guys came along, until Machine Head came along, there was really no metal scene to speak of for a couple of years there, or like any bands really doing anything. You know, it was rough. Yeah, it was. It was a dark period. <laughs> Fuck yeah, and that's that was a period of brood. So that's you why still, I was... you still had to do pay to play back in those days. Yeah, like we had to buy on to not buy on, but like we had to sell fucking tickets and go totally. out there and, you know this is like me after violence and i'm like out in the parking lot like hey bro buy my ticket for seven yeah <laughs> yeah man so yeah you know how hard it was and so that band was just kind of doomed to fail like we didn't really we only played like maybe 10 shows in a couple year period and you know we made a couple of cool sounding demos but uh it uh it just didn't last it was just too hard too much shit was stacked up against us but from that band like from the ashes of that band Oh, I was still in that band at the very end. That's when I met the guys in Old Granddad, and that's where Old Granddad like started taking off at the end of '94. Yeah. And so yeah, and uh, for Old Granddad, we and I was also in a band at the time called Mind Zone. When I did the Machine oh, Head right, tour, right, right, when I, right, yeah. When I did the Machine Head tour, I was still playing with Mind Zone, and I think we even opened your Trocadero show. Yes, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, so yeah, I was kind of juggling around a couple of bands, but Old Granddad was the one that kind of took off and that was just the right time i guess people in san francisco were just had enough of the fucking indie rock thing you know and the just the, people wanted to hear metal again and what so we just mind zone was mind zone indie rock i can't remember really what no mind zone was total fucking uh pantera worship like okay. like groove total groove metal okay. you know <laughs> like i remember at that trocadero show burvoy comes up to me after the mind zone set and goes uh a pal that's all like i don't remember mind zone sounding like that before because i guess when they first started they were more of like a heavier version of jet boy because the two of the guys from mind zone were in the in jet boy oh, that glam okay, rock gotcha. band. okay and when they when mind zone first started they were more like a motorhead kind of more rocking la band okay and then okay. and then when i joined uh the, the drummer they had didn't do double bass so when i joined I, st I was doing double bass, and they started writing this Pantera type of music, you know. So anyways, when we played that Machine Head show, we were full-on Pantera, kind of biohazard, that type of sound, you know. And, yeah, Broadway was like, uh, pal, uh, I don't seem to remember Mind Zone sounding like that before. <laughs> He's like giving me shit, like, because the band's jumping on the Pantera bandwagon, you know, so whatever. <laughs> and then... And old Granddad was more like stoner noise kind of vibe. exactly yeah, yeah right? exactly yeah like stoner psychedelic death metal mixture yeah, yeah you know yeah. i mean i saw i mean that's probably the band that i saw the most that you played in yeah oh yeah dude oh I mean, yeah mine's on a couple times but i saw old granddad like, like 20 fucking times probably you know yeah and we opened the the very first 10 ton hammer show oh yeah oh right right yeah yeah i think we supported it was uh 10 ton hammer old granddad and inhale it I believe Harold O's yes. old band. Oh right, okay, yeah, yeah. Yep. So Kerry King came up and jammed South of Heaven with us that night. That's right. That's right. I remember and we, you. And we covered Witching Hour. Yep, that's right. Yeah, totally. It was a fun night. 
I got it was. Hammered. I got hammered. I got ten ton hammered. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah. So anyways, old granddad went on for quite a while. You know, we put out five albums and did a bunch like of shit. Five, like five official releases, though, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Through label and. Uh, no, the first two we put out ourselves. Okay. And then the third album, we got signed to a label called MIA from New York. And they had Caroline Distribution. So it was yeah, kind, of a, kind of a good deal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was who Roadrunner was through back on all those days. So that would have been a right. big distributor. But the label was was a little unhappy with us with our album cover. But they still went ahead and released it. The album was called uh, The Last Upper. And it's a, it's a painting of The Last Supper, but Jesus Christ is doing speed. He's doing a line of speed. <laughs> the Last Upper. And <laughs> I just remember, this is when Tower, I mean, excuse me, when a Virgin Megastore was still open and still a chain. And there was a Virgin Megastore on Market Street. That album came out in 99. And I remember they had a fucking end cap with all The Last Upper CDs. I couldn't oh, believe man. it, man. That's awesome. And I was just watching people's reaction. Like I was just hanging out like in the corner, just looking at people looking at the CD cover going like this, like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> so that probably like hindered sales maybe, but I don't know. <laughs> they should have had like a full on blow. You remember how like they used to have the giant blow up of the album cover? Yeah, the totally. They should have totally. had that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, even though, like the '90s were kind of a weird time for metal in the Bay Area and everywhere, but we, we did okay. Like uh, we were nominated for a Bammy for, for two years in a row. Yeah, <laughs> we lost, but we were still nominated. I think one year the Deftones beat us, and the other year, maybe even like Metallica or someone beat us, like someone that we had no chance of beating. But uh, you know, we, we were recognized by the the press and in the Bay Area, and we we did okay for a handful of years there. We did good. A lot of where drugs. Did, where did the name old? I always thought the name was just the weirdest name for the music. <laughs> like, I was just like, where did this name come from? It's named after a whiskey. There's a whiskey called Old Granddad. Okay. And it's okay, pretty you. potent stuff. So, and all our lyrics were about, or most of our lyrics were about drinking and drugging and Satan. <laughs> whoring. All that, all that fun stuff. Drinking, drugging, whoring, and whoring. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yep. So this is, yeah, so I guess I would have been seeing you play all these old granddad shows after we took you on the, the final Burn My Eyes tour. That's right. That's so right. We, we released Burn My Eyes, and it's a massive success overseas, like mind-boggling success. And then we go to the Slayer tour here. We tell our first tours with Napalm Death and Obituary. Mm -hmm. And... uh but it's a slow it's a slow build here in America, and even despite the fact that we had the Slayer tour, we go and do a headline tour, and it's the first. Head, and this is a year and a half after Burn My Eyes is released, right? And we uh, we got rid of Chris, and then I, do we decide to go out and do this tour anyway? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it was originally supposed to be Downset, and then Downset bailed on the tour or something. So then it's just us and Stuck Mojo, who nobody other than like. In North Carolina and Georgia, nobody knows who Stuck Mojo is. Right. It's still like pre-internet. This is like when bands are like a local hit. But I think Burvoy's got something to do with Stuck Mojo. And so he uh he 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 throws him out. I'd say no, Burvoy's working at Century Media at this point, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah. So then he's like, he, I think he signed Stuck Mojo. And so he's like, hey, get him on. Dick, get him on. And so I'm like, all right, <laughs> we'll get him on. And uh 
I, I always joke about this tour that we nick, we ended up nicknaming it the disaster tour. Oh, I, <laughs> because I know. It, because it was just <laughs> such a, it was, we had just gone from like playing to 130,000 people at the Dynamo. We sold out, you know, the fucking Brixton Academy and we're playing to 5,000 people in Germany. And then we come home and it's just like, we're playing to a hundred people, sometimes yeah. you know, 70 people, more than a few nights, 35 people at a fucking pool hall in Hickory, North Carolina. Holy. <laughs> like, and it was a long tour, man. I, it was a I, really long tour. I want to say it was like 11 weeks or something like that, man. It was, it was fucking insanity. Like, yeah. We did nine shows in North and South Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, dude. If you're, if you're a band nowadays, you do one show in North Carolina and then that's it. You're done. Totally. Seven shows in Florida. You know, like it was fucking crazy. We did, you know, five shows in Georgia. We were in Florida for like over a week. Totally, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> every every fort in in Florida we played. Fort, yep. fort that. Fort, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it was a crazy time because we had just lost chris and you know we're having this like rough tour and like you know the tours i mean we're having fun certainly having fun on the tour but the show sure. rough, you know and uh but i just remember like it, in some ways we had had so many you know we've been arguing a lot with chris and we just weren't getting along and then you know now chris is gone and you come in and you're just like a breath of fresh air you know like you're just a new guy so it's like uh-huh. and you're you know like i stated earlier you know you're a fucking party animal <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> And I just remember, like, it was really like, even if the show crowd was kind of shitty, like, it was always, it was always just fun at least totally. out with you, totally. And, uh, you know, and everybody, you know, and and the vibe, you know, we're touring, we're sharing a bus, fifteen dudes on a bus mm-hmm. <laughs> across mm-hmm. America for eleven weeks, sharing it with Stuck Mojo, yeah, Stuck, yeah, sharing with Stuck Mojo, three, you know, two dudes sleeping in the back lounge, one dude sleeping in the front lounge, yeah, you no, know, like no junk bunks, it was fucking insanity, and just more weed than anybody could possibly even fathom yeah <laughs> like so much fucking weed at all and cigarettes that's all i remember is just everybody like you'd open the bus door and it was just like just smoke cigarette smoke and weed smoke a blanket of smoke totally what do you what are your memories of this uh of this tour wow um holy shit where to start uh for me i i had never played more than two nights in a row ever in my life like warfare dc maybe would play a weekend somewhere and do friday saturday but that only happened a few times and this is my first tour ever and here i am getting launched into this tour within days because i only jammed with you guys like maybe for two days and the tour started did you do a tryout or did what i can't remember okay so somebody just recommend you or something yes someone recommended me and the, the my friend Ace, who who recommended me to you guys, was like, "Hey, they they they're doing they're doing tryouts right now. They've been j- flying in drummers from all over the place, and they're jamming. They're over at Jackson Street Studios in Oakland. They want you to come down." And so uh, I um I actually didn't didn't have a copy of "Burn My Eyes" because I because Ted was always playing it or whoever people around me were always playing it. I knew the album, but I didn't actually own a copy. So I had to borrow a copy from a friend. And I stayed up all night and air drummed to it in my living room and just memorized all the arrangements and then went to Jackson Street Studios the next day, jammed with you guys. And then you asked me back a second day. And then the tour was like maybe two days after that. Oh, geez. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Um, so, yeah, like I had never played more than two shows in a row. And then here I am jumping into my very first tour 
And our first run of gigs was nine shows in a row, I think. Holy shit. Wow. It, it was from Sacramento. It was the first show. Yeah, Sacramento was the first show. And it went up into Canada. Right. And I had yeah. never been to Canada either. So I, I got to say, like, uh, it, it was a, a brutal test. And um, I by, like, the seventh or eighth show, I was getting fatigued, man. Like, I, it was hard. I mean, I just didn't know touring was like that, you know. And um, and I, I was just used to like looking at tour shirts by Kiss or Ozzy, and it's a couple of days and it's gay off a couple of days. So doing nine shows in a row, I was like, holy fuck! And then again, like later on in the tour, I think we did like a sixteen run, sixteen oh, show run. Wow! So needless to say, I was tired mid tour, you know, and so I probably wasn't playing to the best of my ability, uh, just because I wasn't used to it. I wasn't prepared, man, and. I, mean, I was prepared. I knew I knew the songs, but I wasn't prepared for the phys- physicality and right. just the endurance it, it requires, you know. So that was a, a good learning experience and a tough learning experience, you know, because like some shows I was letting you guys down, you know, like on the double bass or something because I was just, just burnt out, man. I was like, fuck, I'm so exhausted. This is brutal, you know, but I'm thankful for the whole experience and it was a great learning experience and some of the best stories ever. Like, I mean, where to start? How about when we fucking trashed the bus? Dude, It's Scott Kelly from Neurosis. Yes. <laughs> yes. It, it, we were in Canada. And yes, we were in Canada, which should have never done anything like this in Canada. <laughs> like, and, and for whatever reason, I guess like, Neuro- Montreal, it was after the Montreal, because we did, we linked up with Neurosis for a couple of shows in, in Montreal. Right? Yeah, the, the tours linked up. I think it was just for one show. Okay. And I remember Stuck Mojo being furious that they got bumped down to opening. Right. And Neurosis were support. And uh, this is the only night of, a, of the tour, the only night of the tour where we had hotel rooms. I don't know why, but we parked our bus in front of the hotel where all of us had our own rooms. And what did we decide to do? Throw a party on a bus. <laughs> and get completely hammered on the bus and start a food fight on the it's, bus. And the guys from the Roses come on and they're hanging out for a little bit. And then once like fucking you know, food starts flying and bananas and shit, you were covered in banana. And and then like like someone opened a thing of ocean spray and, and shot oh, it all. Shit. It, it was raining. It was raining ocean spray like for hours, dude. <laughs> and you know, I still wasn't doing anything because like I'm I'm the new guy. Like I I have I know my place. But once I saw you, I think you you ripped a curtain down or you you broke something. I said, fuck it. So I threw a whole thing of orange juice on the TV and the stereo. Oh, <laughs> and, and once I did that, the guys in the roses all looked at each other and got the fuck off the bus. They're, dude. Like, They're like, it's time. We're out of here, dude. And so <laughs> you pass out in the front lounge. And you have bananas smeared all over you. and You're, you're passed out. And I think I may have passed out for a little bit too. But when I came to, it was just you and me in the front lounge and a destroyed i mean the bus is fucking destroyed rash and so i got the fuck out of there dude and i i went to my room and i laid in my bed and i was just waiting for the phone call dude i was like oh my god dude oh my god and like you know like an hour maybe an hour passes this adam and he goes will we were on the bus last night i said yeah and then they go and then he goes was rob on the bus too and i go well, there were a lot of people on the bus. And he goes, what happened? And I go, I don't know. And he goes, get the fuck down here right now. And so 
I went down to the lo- to the lobby, and you were already sitting there. <laughs> you were like, you totally like looked like you had been scolded by like you know. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I was in so I had just had like five scoldings, like the bus owner, the fucking my torment Joey, like the fucking oh my god, the bus driver. Like I was like fuck. <laughs> and we're all sitting there, and and our tour manager, I think his name was Lauren. Was that his name? Uh, Lauren. Lauren, yeah, Lauren. He was yelling at us, and he, he said something like, there was even, like, he said something about, like, there was even bananas stuffed in the toilet. Who fucking does that? And he was sitting next to me, and you nudged me, and kind of, like, you kind of, like, laughed, like, like, it was you, like, I did that. Like, you were, like, proud of yourself, and you kind of nudged me, you were laughing, and I was like, okay, well, you know. <laughs> the weirdest thing that happened during that scolding you remember the Jim Rose Circus showed up? All these freaks walked into the lobby, and, and like we're was having this, this hotel where all this is all happening or something. Yeah, yeah the hotel oh, okay. lobby. Like we're all sitting like in a semicircle, the whole band and crew, and and uh, and Lauren's saying like you know the tour might be get called off because you're losing your bus and all this stuff. So it was like a heavy heavy conversation, okay. and all of a sudden like these freaks come walking in with their luggage and shit is the Jim Rose Circus. Dude, it was like, the weirdest timing. Crazy. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. <laughs> you remember that we went through three buses on that tour? Did I we? think we, we lost two buses. Okay. The, the other time, the other bus that we lost, uh, Adam figured out, I don't know how, but he figured out how to get the bus started. And the bus driver was at a hotel sleeping. Oh, right. <laughs> he started. <laughs> bus, he moved the bus. <laughs> he was driving it around the parking lot right, of like right. Walmart or some shit. <laughs> and the bus driver found out. And he left like a couple days later, and we had to get another bus. Mm. And then you remember how the tour ended? Oh, I totally, I totally, I'll never forget how the tour ended. I'll, ne- I'll, ne- I'll remember this tour ending for the till my dying day, <laughs> dude. Ahead, that, you tell the story. The, this bus driver, our third bus driver, who was a fucking cock. He was a total dick. Yeah, had cowboy hat on, little cowboy dude. Fucking douchebag. Yeah, he was a dick from the get-go, probably because he got word from the other bus drivers, like, these guys are assholes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was the last night of the tour. We're playing the Troubadour. And... Um, Hollywood. In Hollywood. And the, the bus was parked down the street. And uh, Stuck Mojo was having, like, a, a raging, like, end-of-tour party on the bus, smoking weed everywhere, everywhere. There was bus, like, billowing out of, like, the, the escape hatches in the in top. Fact, in fact, <laughs> let, me just, let me just fill in a little detail. You know, everybody, there was so much fucking weed smoking on this tour, I can't even explain to you. So, like, every day they'd get, they'd buy weed or someone would just give them weed. Anyway, they had a buddy who brings that, it brings everybody a pound of weed yep. <laughs> on the bus. Yep. So go on. And like there was like the smoke billowing out of like the escape hatches on the top of the bus. That's how much smoke was going on. The bus driver called the cops and said, hey, man, there's a bunch of illegal activity going on on my bus right now. Like these guys are smoking weed and probably doing other stuff and come down. And I was the one like I was getting ready to leave. Like it was, I was saying bye to everyone. And I was going to stay in, in L.A. for like an extra week with some friends. So I had my luggage and I was getting off the bus and I see I see two sheriff sheriffs like standing right there and I'm like oh fuck and they're pointing at me and they're like like they're knocking on the door and I'm like oh, oh you're in the bus okay gotcha yeah I want to get off the bus and they're standing right there and there's like a hundred people like the like, guys from Brugeria I think Cold Chamber people were up there everyone was partying Cold Chamber opened it yeah they opened that show that's right 
And uh, so I opened the door and he tried to like wedge in and I pushed him back and closed the door. I didn't let him on the bus, but he had me pinned up against the bus and I had nothing on me. And he goes, uh, he's asking, what, what, what is this? I go, it's a, it's a band. It's the last night of the tour. I'm just going, I'm going home now. I'm leaving. So he let me go. I don't know how they got on the bus after I left, but they did get on the bus. Oh, they yeah. arre- and they, did they arrest you guys? Or they- dude, I mean, it was pretty, it was crazy for a minute. So I get off. I don't even know about you at this point. I mean, I know you're yeah. leaving. I think we said goodbye or whatever, but like, yeah. I get, I'm settling up or doing whatever I, I had to do inside and uh and then i get word from i can't even remember who it was but somebody's just like dude the fucking cops are raiding your bus right now and i'm like oh my god because i knew that everybody had just got some people just got bags of coke some people just fucking some people were already on mushrooms yeah (laughs) like everybody's smoking weed i'm like oh no i fucking walk out there and i'm like dude i'd walk out i just see all these fucking sheriffs around and i'm like oh fuck and it's sheriffs I'm like, fuck. So we get on there like, you know, okay. Start pulling me aside. And I'm like, look, I don't, I don't smoke weed. I don't like, I'm just coming into here. I don't know. I kind of play dumb, but I like, I obviously know what's going on. Right. And they kept us there for a while, man. They kept us there for a fucking long time. And it was that fucking asshole bus driver. Just being a, he was just being a dick. Yeah. Knowing exactly what the fuck he was doing. He was like, oh, fuck these guys. I'm just going to fuck. So then. I guess they were like, they confiscated everybody's weed. Then they kicked, they just said, get the fuck out, get the fuck off the bus, and we won't press charges. And so just everybody, which everybody was already going to, I mean, I guess we weren't already going to do it. We were going to go, we were going to get driven home to San Francisco. Right. So then we just have to grab our shit. They take all the weed. Everybody's all, you know, everybody's frying on, I'm not frying on mushrooms, but everybody else is (laughs) frying on mushrooms and everybody's freaking out like, oh my God, this is the worst fucking night. And I'm just like, fuck. But we get our stuff. And I just remember that, uh, I remember on the, uh, on the way out, I was just grabbing all my last little things. And I remember our bus driver, he liked chew, you know, like tobacco chew. And he left it on his seat all the time. And he left it on the seat all the time. And I was just like, oh, I just got to get one more thing out of the back. And I took his chew and I fucking pissed at it. (laughs) And I I set it back on the fucking thing. I was like, fuck you, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, man. That was a a colorful ending to a colorful tour. (laughs) How'd you guys get home? You flew home then? I think we had to fly home. Yeah, I think we we think we spent the night at Kenny's. Was our like was, was I? I think it was the buddy of ours, but we mm-hmm. we spent the night at his house, and then we just I think we just had to fly home or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, there, was, there was a couple. There was a couple other nights that were funny too. I definitely remember the uh, when whenever shows got hor- whenever was there was whenever there was a bad bad show, we just decided to like you know fuck the audience. Like we're just gonna make ourselves laugh for the entire whatever hour in Houston in Houston Texas. Houston, <laughs> dude, they they were pissed. There was only like. Only like maybe thirty people at the show. Yes, and and there was issues with the promoter or something. Like he wasn't going to pay us. Or yeah, he didn't want to pay us. He didn't want to give us water. He didn't want to give us like he didn't want to give us water. We're like, we need water. Like what the fuck? Totally. So you and I got drunk before before we played. You gave me permission to drink. You were encouraging it. Actually, I was like, oh okay. So we we played drunk, played like shit. We only played like maybe like six Machine Head songs, and then you got behind the drums. And, oh and I got naked and tried to take a shit on stage. <laughs> we were doing Gigi Allen. We were doing Gigi right. Allen. Right. <laughs> oh my and, god! And people were flipping us off, like "fuck you guys, man." 
here to say fuck this we've been like at this point we, i mean at that point it was like right near the end of the tour it's yeah. like the last it's the 10th week we're just we're losing our minds like we're just falling totally. apart like you know physically mentally like we're stir crazy we're probably in the middle of 16 in a row or some fucking yeah. insanity and uh oh my god that's that's probably my favorite that's probably my favorite memory of the tour like just going back like shit face out of my mind and looking back and seeing naked will carroll playing (laughs) and just fucking every time i'd fucking stop singing i'd go back and look at you and just fucking start cracking up i don't care how shitty this fucking (laughs) crowd is this is fucking awesome Yep. <laughs> you remember Stuck Mojo played uh Stuck Mojo played uh sitting down. They had like a in that, protest. Uh, oh yeah. no, they that's what they didn't get paid. They didn't get paid. And so we said, fuck it, they're gonna play anyway. And they their protest was they sat down, they played their set sitting down. That's right. I think they might have even played it acoustically or something. Right. Yeah, that was Bones and uh Rich Ward. Yeah, Rich Ward. I can't remember what the bass player's name was. I think his name was Dwayne. Dwayne, you're right. You're Dwayne. And then it was uh Brent with an N. Brent, yeah, bent with an R. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> bent with an R. Who bent and made it and it made it super awkward because at one point bent with an R decided that he wanted to get the machine head drumming gig oh i remember remember. no secret about it (laughs) i remember made no secret about it to stuck mojo and we're all living on a bus like it was like dude super awkward what are you doing (laughs) like fucking and he just fucking i also remember going back to jackson street studios after the tour i had a hi-hat stand there something i went to pick it up and he was jamming with you guys oh and I, and I swear to God, he didn't know how to do a thrash beat. Like, like he didn't know how to do the. Like, like, like he was. You guys were discussing it when I walked into the room. I was like, "Oh shit!" And I just got my hi hat stand and left. But yeah, yeah, I, I remember it was very weird. And Dwayne was quitting. Uh, quit, he was quitting Sec Mojo. Yeah, so there was a lot of tension between them at the end it of the was. tour as well. And Bones was a fucking lunatic. I love Bones. I yeah, Bones is great. Bones. He was fucking raging, just drinking, smoking. I mean, just every girl was in love with him. Yeah. And Rich Ward, I got to say, to Rich Ward's credit, sober as a judge for the entire 11-week tour, I mean, just, I don't even know how the dude did it. Like, fucking, we were filthy animals. Like, it was insane. Oh, he dude. fucking maintained sobriety. Like, dude, uh, I on an almost regular basis, like in the bunk alley, I, I was on the top bunk and Rich was across from me on the top bunk. Yes. And, then the, and then the middle bunks, I think you, maybe you were under me or, or Logan, one of you guys. And then over here was Adam. He was underneath Rich Ward. Yes. And, and so, Logan was across from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were across. They would pass joints back and forth. <laughs> and sometimes like... No, let me, wait, let me, let me. <laughs> they would wake up in the middle of the night yeah, yeah, after yeah. going to sleep, like halfway through sleeping, and then smoke a joint, passing it back and forth, and then go back to sleep. I was like, <laughs> what is the point? <laughs> and like, dude, and Rich Ward a couple of times would like open up his curtain and be like, guys, come on, man. Like, like I'm trying to sleep. Like, the smoke's coming up here. And dude, Adam. I know this story. This would, so take a, would take a huge hit and lead out and just, just blow, blow, blow slowly in the richest bunk <laughs> like uh, a whole bunch <laughs> i mean there'd be time there'd be times when i'd walk when i'd fucking walk down the hallway to go to the bathroom and he'd literally just have a joint like literally under the curtain just like holding yeah, yeah. <laughs> just going into it. oh my god he tortured him yeah i gotta say like rich held it together like he fucking 
Totally, man. I remember at the end of the tour, he was just like, dude, I don't know how you do it, but I've got all the respect in the world for holding this fucking thing together. <laughs> you know, because like our tour, I mean, you remember the tour manager was uh, like every day was like, pull the gig. We're going to pull the fucking speakers don't work. Pull the gig. I'm like, we're not totally. We can't afford to pull the gig. Like we're he, doing he, the he fucking was, gig. He was our front of house guy as well, right? He yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do you remember the band that uh, did like the last like three weeks of the tour that opened the tour? Like, three, man. Yeah, they Wicker were cool, man. man. They were cool. They were, yeah. They're they're kind of Nirvana ish a little bit, or like kind of sludgy, like fudge tunnel maybe. Yeah, yeah they were cool. Yeah, they, cool. totally. they were part of the Pantera management group. All right. Yeah, right. I forget. I can't remember what the um. I'm basing. I'm brain farting on the name, but yeah, those were foundations. Uh, Andy Concrete I don't know I I think it was Andy Gould managed him Okay Yeah And on that tour We had Scum Who was always A a, a source of of Entertainment I remember one night He 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 grabbed some Bolt cutters From the From the The trailer We were parked Outside of a Walmart Or something like that Like a Target Or something And he ran over to It was like The middle of the night He ran over to the Target and he uses bolt cutters and broke free like a, a, a gumball machine or some kind of vending machine okay. and ran back over to the bus and just started slamming it on the ground until it busted open and there was quarters everywhere. He was so happy, dude. He was grabbing quarters. Like quarters? Oh, not for the gum, but for the quarters. Quarters, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was looking for the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really uh mike's got mike's come i gotta give a shout out to mike's come he was our fucking road dog forever he was like our our lone guitar tech basically i think we had steve-o as the drum tech too it's yep. steve-o yeah no 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 uh steve-o was doing the merch the drum tech was shoe oh right that shoe. Guy, shoe. Yeah, that's right. Shoe. yeah he was doing oh. both bands right 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 yeah that's right steve-o was doing merch and then uh who else did we have we just had, yeah it was just scum doing the back line then right yep doing guitars yeah yep and then Stuck Mojo had their, I forget that big dude's name. He, they, big he, Red. Big Red. They had yeah, him. Big Red. And that's it. And and Shu. I mean, I don't, I don't know who was doing their merch. Maybe Steve was doing both their merch. Maybe. I yeah. Yeah. That was fucking crazy times. Totally. Complete insanity. No. It, it was, you know what's funny? <laughs> you brought up that. You brought up the Bent guy, which to, totally the fact that Bent with an R ended up saying. Uh, that he wanted to join the band, you know, basically told Stuck Mojo halfway through the tour. Yeah. You know, that we're going to, that he wants to do that, which just made, you know, everything weird. And I'm like, hey, like, you know, look, this hasn't got anything to do with us. You know, like, we're going to have tryouts or whatever. But, right. But he, uh, he came out that day that you came out when he was trying out and we were talking about the thrash beat and all that stuff. You know, it's funny because it, I think, you know, just the fact that we had really hung out with the guy and, you know, we kind of knew him and, you know, I, I got to say he was such a fucking, he was a really like funny dude and super nice and like, you know, seemed like a nice guy and, uh, you know, killer drummer, like hit really hard and, fucking, oh, yeah. you know, and I, and I remember he actually came, he was like, it, it came down to him and Dave McLean, you know, after all the tryouts were done and, uh, dude, I remember we came home. And I, you know, we always kind of took people out to dinner to just see like, Hey, can we like connect with this guy like at dinner? Mm-hmm. And I invited him over to my house for dinner and, and we had Ginevra made some food and, you know, Ginevra loved him. Like I loved him. I was like, Oh my God, this dude's the best. I think this is the dude like fucking, you know, we fucking we're laughing our ass off. 
And then I was just like, you know, we're hammered. We're fucking, we're at shit face at this point. And I'm just like, all right, dude, like, you know, like I can't wait, you know, tomorrow we were going to go jam. And I was like, I can't wait till you come back and we jam, like, you know, get on the fucking jam some Angel of Death and, you know, jam on some fucking postmortem and, you know, just whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Angel of Death? He's like, which, uh, which one's that? <laughs> and I was like, it was like, I mean, fucking, dude, my, uh, I, I'm hammered at this point. And I was like, what what like which, which one's that like <laughs> what 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 do you mean like is there, uh, you know I, I i know that one right like it's the fast one and you know the like, fast one like, <laughs> wait 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 i'm like do you do you not know what song i'm talking about when i say he's like oh no like i know slayer and you know kind of like he kind of started backpedaling and i was like it like that right there i was like no like I, I was like in that moment, I knew that he was not the dude. I was like, right. there's fucking no way. Like you don't even know. Like wh- when I say, Hey bro, I need you to do a Dave Lombardo role right here or try it, try a Dave, try a fucking, you know, Celtic frost role, try a Tom hunting role. You're ha- going to have no idea mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. You know, like you're not going to have any place to pull that from, you know, and he'd always been kind of glam bands and shit like that. Yeah. And, and I'm, I was like right there, and I didn't even say anything at that point. But at that moment, I was just like, "You don't know Angel of Death. You're never getting a machine head." <laughs> like that's it, right, man? I had a similar experience with them during the tour one night. Uh, we were at a bar after the show, after hours or something, and him and I are sitting next to each other at the bar, and someone puts on Creator, like Extreme Aggression or something. He had he had never heard uh, someone like like a beat like like a fast beat, you know. Right. He was acting like he had never heard it before. And I go, what? I go, this is pretty common, commonplace in most bands, you know, yeah. like. In 1995. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he, it was like he had never heard something that fast before. And and he, 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 he couldn't connect with it. I was like, dude, this is creator. You don't know creator? And he's like, nah, man. So I, I knew at that point that, you know, he wasn't really into the heavy stuff, you know, I mean, granted he is a killer drummer, but yeah, right. I, I could see, I could see why that would be a, a, a mark off the brownie points for, for not, not knowing fucking I mean, angel of death. I was just so fucking like, I, I wish I, I wish I had a fucking film on my face. Cause I probably was just like, what? Like what, yeah, yeah. what song is that? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, anyway, those, those were fucking, awesome times and you know I, rem- I remember on Hall didn't we had a big halloween blowout right that's right you had eric bar that eric barth was the tour driver that's who the other person was that's eric right that's right he was driving the the, the truck yeah yep. yeah and then we had uh we had a big miss we all dressed up as the misfits for halloween or black metal like uh was it? It, it was, was, i don't even remember i think i think you did like the the crimson ghost kind of thing but the 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 rest of us, Adam, Logan, and myself, did like black metal type oh, okay. of shit. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Because gotcha. that was right when the whole black metal thing was happening with the church burnings and then everyone killing each other and stuff. Right. It was kind right. of fresh in the news, so we were joking around by that about that. But I remember actually the only picture of me with the band uh, is of us in our fucking black metal and misfit makeup. Like 
I think Metal Hammer posted that picture. Right. Uh, right. Of, not posted. They they printed that picture of us, and that's the only existing picture I Isn't have. That of, right. Of, that's of, the of, only picture of you. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I mean, this is like pre-cell phone, so no one would have had you know. Totally. Yeah, that's great. That's crazy. There are on YouTube though. There is uh, there are a few shows from that tour uh, uh, posted up on YouTube. Oh yeah. And yeah, it sounds pretty good actually. It's not oh, that well. bad. Yeah. <laughs> I really go. I really go down that hole, you know. If I oh, could. I but that's but that's cool. I'd like to see that. I just to see just to... also filling. Uh, you know, state the obvious that filling Chris Contos' shoes is wasn't the easiest thing either, man. I mean, uh, the drumming on Brew My Eyes is fucking phenomenal, you know. So yeah. yeah, that was that was tough to play every night for sure, but it was a great learning experience, and I'm I'm super glad I did it, man. And uh, it was an eye opener, and it just. It made me a better drummer. It, it ruined you. I think you broke up with your girlfriend right when you got back, right? <laughs> we we divorced right after that <laughs> tour. Divorced. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> you were married. That's right. You were married. <laughs> oh, you got married young. Yeah, I got married when I was twenty. I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> right off the Machine Head tour, got divorced. <laughs> it was it was two factors. Like yeah, the Machine Head tour. She wasn't into the fact of me being gone for eleven weeks at a time. A lot. And then. And then old granddad started playing a bunch of shows right when I got back and she went to a couple of warehouse parties and saw the scene that we were in. And she was like, I'm, I don't like this, this direction, this band is, I don't like this scene you guys are playing. In. And I was like, well, that's just, that's what we're about. So it was a combination of those two things that ended our marriage pretty much. But <laughs> well, I'm sorry, or you're welcome. <laughs> I'll take the ladder. <laughs> You uh, you joined Death Angel. I'm going to skip forward a little bit now. Sure. But uh, you joined Death Angel on Relentless Retribution. That's the first oh, album, before, yeah. Before that record. Yeah, I joined at the end of uh, the Killing Season cycle. That was the album that they were still touring for when I joined. So that was like mid-2009. Yeah, yeah so yeah. all that time you had done Old Granddad and mind zone or anything else. And just Old Granddad was really my, my main band, like, for all that time uh i mean there was other projects here and there too many to mention but are you I guess, working are you working during that time yeah 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 like um many different jobs but like i, I also lost a good job doing that machine head tour i was working <laughs> i was working at a law firm making pretty good money working what? In you were the, working at a law firm i was working in the mail room oh. okay <laughs> But it was still it was still pretty good money, full benefits, all that shit. But uh, yeah, they, they weren't stoked about me going away for eleven weeks. So, but yeah, I worked lots of random jobs. The, the, probably the, the the funnest job, the coolest job I had that helped out old granddad a lot was I was working for a mail distribution company that was competing with the U.S. Postal Service. So I was delivering mail downtown downtown San Francisco to businesses. And it was mostly junk mail, like 99% of it was junk mail. And so after a while, I, I noticed that the people I was delivering the mail to never seemed stoked to see me and just kind of threw it straight in the trash. So I stopped delivering mail for like six months. I just kept it in my apartment. And, <laughs> and so I would, I, would leave, I would leave the job with my mail cart and go. And I lived right up the street. I go straight up to my apartment. I load all the mailbags into the basement of my place and just hang out and get stoned all day for <laughs> like six months, but the, 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 maybe like a year. But uh, the, the, this place helped out old granddad because they had a company van 
and they let me use it for all of our gigs. So oh, we wow. would play all over California and we would use the City Post van. You know who else worked there with me? Was Phil Sandoval from Armored Saint. Oh, wow. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, totally. um, he was living in San Francisco at the time. He wasn't in Armored Saint. This is like 98, 97, 98. But um, so, yeah, lots of different jobs. Uh, the only band I would, I would mention that before I joined Death Angel that was of note was a band called Scarecrow, which is back together now. Um, Scarecrow was me and Damien from Death Angel yeah, on bass. And then two, Damien, the bass oh, yeah, player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and then the two guys from Exhumed, Matt Harvey and Bud Burke on, on guitars. Okay. So that was a band that was actually picking up speed. And we probably would have gotten signed if we kept going. But then pretty much Death Angel picked us apart. <laughs> like Death Angel went to one of our shows and then... I thought it was kind of weird that all of Death Angel were at a Scarecrow gig. I was like, whoa, whoa, yeah, what's going on here? And um, yeah, eventually I joined the band. Then Damien joined Death Angel a year after I did. Okay. So while I was in Death Angel for that first year, we had a bass player called Sammy Diostados, who was uh, the bass player in Mark's band, All Time Highs. And uh, super cool dude and totally fun to tour, tour with. But uh, yeah, he just didn't work out. So we got Damien like a year later. Was Ted already part of the picture at that point? Oh, yeah. Ted joined the band uh, right after the Thrash of the Titans show. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he was throughout the 2000s. He was in Death Angel. Yeah, that must have been cool to like reconnect with him. All these, oh, yeah, like, man. Five bands later. <laughs> yeah, man. Finally, this one works. <laughs> right. Right. And everyone, everyone uh, is under the false assumption that Ted's the one that got me in Death Angel. But it was Mark, actually, who who suggested me and... And kind of sought me out. And I remember we were at uh I remember we were at a carcass show at the Regency. I think Death Angel opened that show or supported Carcass. And uh during the carcass set, like Mark just started talking to me about drums. You know, I was always friends with him and you know, wait, what's up and have a drink and stuff, but we never really talked music seriously together. And he was asking all these drumming questions and about this drummer's technique and can you do this and that. So I knew something was up coinciding with all of them coming to the scarecrow gig i was like huh and then i either ted or mark said hey andy's leaving the band and uh they, they, they want to jam with you and i was like fucking do i know i already knew i already knew like 30 death angel songs so you know it wasn't like i had to do any cramming or or anything like that so i just came i went to their studio the next day or a couple days later and we did a, almost an entire set of songs. We played like 10 songs or something the first time I jammed with them. And I, they never asked me to leave. I just, I stayed. <laughs> so yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you must've been stoked that you just knew that much material anyway, you know, like. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a weight off of my shoulders. Cause usually when you're auditioning for a band, like all the auditions I've done in my life, including machine head, you know, I had to like do some cramming and, you know, with, with death angel, I didn't, I didn't even listen to the songs. I already knew them, you know, so it was a com comfortable situation. You were from Daily City, the legend. That's right, man. Legendary Death Angel. And ornament, man. Ornament. Ornament. No. <laughs> and fucking ultraviolence was fucking, you know, mandatory listening. You know, like that was totally fucking everywhere. And, you know, I totally. love that you played a... Uh, Voracious souls, yeah. Voracious souls, so fucking good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then you went on. I mean, dude, like you're coming up on what your twelfth year now? 
yes, I, I'm in my 12th year right now. Yeah. yeah. That's fucking amazing. And four studio albums, two live albums, um, and shit ton of tours, you know, tons of tours. Shit ton of tours. Like, yeah, so fucking tours. Death and Angels. Just, and now you're, and now you're ready for touring, right? Absolutely. But Death Angels done way more touring since I joined the band than the original version, you know? Right. Like, since, since 2010 or to the end, end of 2009 was my first tour. We just been nonstop. So it's, it's, it's killer, man. I'm, I'm stoked to be in this band and we have a good chemistry. Yeah. It seems like you guys do have a good chemistry. Yeah. 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 You're a good fit for them. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, it's very comfortable. <laughs> and like when I joined the band, like Rob was already starting to write more thrashier stuff. And the two albums they put out, in the 2000s, Killing Season and um, Art of Dying. Uh, there's definitely thrash songs on there, but the albums aren't really full-on thrash albums. There's lots of rock and just different stuff, punk rock stuff too. And then by the time I joined, it seemed like Rob was on a mission just to write a straight, aggressive, super aggressive metal album from start to finish. So that's what Relentless Retribution was for the most part. And then, and then the next album, Dream Calls for Blood, was even more so in that direction, just total fast and just thrash attack so that's it works. That, that's that record seems like your later day hit if i was going to use the word you're absolutely like, right it's my favorite of the four that we've done together and it seems like it's most fans favorite uh totally totally people went crazy when you played shit off that you know? yeah yeah, like, yeah fucking crazy crazy i was like whoa like fucking this is a huge fucking song you yeah know, like, yeah crazier than even some of like your you know your classic stuff right um so i mean i don't know if that has something to do with my my drumming style it might have something to do with it just the way i play i'm a, obviously a thrash drummer you know so rob's writing stuff to to cater to my style or whatever but it it, it works man it's, it's working we put out four was a lot was the, a lot of the retros restless retribution written before you were in the band or no way no no you, so like you were there at the beginning the absolutely of it yeah right on. absolutely lots of demoing lots of demoing for that album and that was the first uh, like major album or real album I ever recorded. I mean, I mean, I sure there's albums that about my old granddad, but I was recording that with my friends, and I had never gone to like a real studio out in in Florida, you know. It was Jason, right? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it was kind of a, a nervous, a nervous experience. But Jason's a great guy, and he made me feel comfortable, and and we've developed a great working relationship now since then but yeah it was a trip recording that first album the first time i was ever recording to a click track oh shit. so yeah that that's intimidating that's really intimidating you know now i i can't record without it you know i i i love the click track man it brings up my the best in me i play so much so much better when there's a click behind it you know so yeah it's, it's been going good do you, guys play the, <laughs> do you guys play to a click live no no you guys do like some songs, right? Some songs, yeah. Yeah. Why is that? More, more, Why? Like the, more like the groover ones so that they stay grooving. Like, gotcha. it, you know, the drummer will go too fast or too slow. Like, so those. But, like, if it's a fucking thrasher, like, fuck it. Who get, like, just balls to the wall. It's like when, when you when you were doing the Burn My Eyes uh, anniversary tour, were you doing Death Church to a, a click track? Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. It, and, you know, we've got it kind of moving, you know, like it. So it matched the record, like, so it's sped up, like the record speeds up. At the end, the double bass kicks in, yeah. it surges yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It'd be weird not to do all that. Yeah. So we, we had we had some pretty involved clicks made from that record because, you know, the record kind of every song starts at one tempo and ends like 10, 10 to 15 BPM faster. Right. So we'd kind of ride that. Zach programmed it pretty good. But then some stuff, we just tried it and it just it just took away the fucking vibe, you know, like it just felt dumb. Sure, sure, sure. Um, is that the only album you guys recorded without a click? No, I mean, everything up until uh, Bloodstone was without a click. Whoa, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I, I remember another story from our tour that I have to bring up. Do you remember the show at the Stone Pony in Ashbury Park? Mm, yes. And there was like almost like uh, a gang war. Out yes. I, I, <laughs> I'll tell, I'll tell you what I, I'll tell you another story that I remember because I'm going to change the subject because I don't want to talk about that. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I do remember uh, my, one of my, 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 rest in peace to Jack Cargill. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Jack was on the tour, too. Jack was on the That's tour. Right. Yeah, God Jack damn. Was, yeah, yeah. In fact, Jack might have been my tech. I think he and, was. And Scum was Logan's tech. Yeah. Right. Jack my tech. <laughs> and Jack was fucking, we called him jackadin because he was always popping vicodins <laughs> i remember, fucking, I remember. I, everybody was on fucking vicodins like just fucking and he had like an endless supply of vicodin and uh oh my god i just remember i forget we were in some podunk town i think we had just played a strip club somewhere in canada like mm-hmm. we, we actually played a strip club when we were sound checking <laughs> we had to take a break because the girl had to come up and do a routine even though there was like fucking 12 70 year old dudes just not not fucking making it rain at all yeah totally i remember <laughs> but we played, and then fucking after the show i mean the show was pretty i mean the show was decent and i remember i remember i loved that we were playing a strip club it was fucking hilarious and i'm talking like this was not like a cream of the crop strip club this was a fucking down and dirty hard times <laughs> ladies trying to make their ends meet and get some milk for their kids or some Holy. type of strip club it Holy. was rough and uh, we, Jack Cargill ended up getting a, a hooker after the show. And I just remember all of us being in the back lounge just watching him get a blowjob. <laughs> and he was like, finally, he was just like, everybody out. I can't concentrate. Everybody get the fucking get out. I remember <laughs> that. Fucking, I just like remember having tears in my eyes. I was laughing so fucking hard at that. <laughs> rest in peace, Jack Cargill. Yeah, rest in peace, buddy. You're one of a kind, God damn you. <laughs> So, hey, have you have you guys been nominated for a Grammy? Have you been to the Grammy Awards yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how did you like that experience? Um, it was, it, you know, it was it was an honor to to be nominated, and uh, it was for Aesthetics of Hate, mm-hmm. and it was us and Shadows Fall, and I think King Diamond, and and then Slayer got nominated for the bonus track on the reissue of the same album that they had just won a Grammy for the year before. So so they had put out a record, I think it was Christ illusion. Yeah. And then, uh, and then they changed like distributors. Like it went from Columbia to Sony or vice versa, whatever. And so they reissued the record once it got to the new distributor with one bonus track (laughs) and the bonus track, which was terrible, got nominated for a fucking Grammy. And then it fucking won. (laughs) I was just like, I was like, cut for the same out. Al- Come on, man, for the same album. But uh, you know, 
Do you Carrie, guys... Carrie, Carrie, Carrie was very gracious. He was like, look, I'll take the Grammy, but you should have won. He texted me like as soon as the Grammys were over. He was like, dude, you should have won this. Did but, you guys uh, go to the after party and all that stuff and do we all did, that? Yeah, we did. There was like a pre-party. So we did that like we like the day before. And then, yeah. we went to, uh, and then we went to the thing. And I remember at least when we did it, it was like the, the there was like a whole, there's like a hundred Grammys that get one in the building down the street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they only broadcast it on the internet. It's like in a totally different building. And it's like, I think the metal, ca- the metal category came after, uh, Hawaiian instrumental music. <laughs> I was just like, come on, man. Like metal is right after Hawaiian instant, like no disrespect to Hawaiian instrumental. Like what the fuck? We're like, we're way leagues above this here. And, uh, so I was kind of annoyed, like b- about shit like that. I felt like middle metal was disrespected, like because of that. Like we write our fucking songs, we're playing all of our fucking instruments. I was like, the fuck, man! Like we're in this other fucking building. Like this is bullshit, dude. We had the same experience. I mean, uh, the the metal category wasn't televised on TV. Yeah, it was across the street in a smaller facility. But yeah, same thing. I mean, it, it was an honor, and I, I'm glad I went. But. I felt like the redheaded stepchild the whole time I was there, you know, like <laughs> totally. And I was like, what the fuck is this dude? And then I go up and like, you know, I like Kanye West. Like I'm like, I'm a fan of like two or three of his records and he gets up there and it's like him and Daft Punk. And it's like, dudes on a dudes pressing a button on a laptop. And I'm like, okay. Like, like yeah. this is like, but this is like, what's worth telling. Like what the fuck man. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it was just the fact that I was sour grapes from losing, <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know. But I felt but I felt like that even going into it. You know, it's just like this is just weird. Like we're in this other like. Anyway, I uh, we did go to the after parties though, and the after parties were fun. We you know we went and fucking crab towers and you know like yeah. drinks everywhere, and you know we got hammered and fucking went. Actually, Logan was there with us. Logan was our designated driver. Wow. For the Grammys, <laughs> Logan had gotten sober, and we're like, fuck it. He was just like, hey, can I? you cool if I drive you around? I was like, fuck yeah. Like, why not? Like, you're going to be sober. Like, let's do it. So we hung cool. out. So it was, it was, it was a fun time. It was a good memory. And you know, like I, I've got, we hung out with the shadows fall guys and we fucking got shit faced and you know, it was a good time. Right on. We, we lost a tool and we knew we were going to lose to him. I mean, of I mean course. yeah. So there was no expectations shattered or anything like that. Like I, I knew what the outcome was going to be. And then we went to the after party and dude, it was one of the loudest performances I've ever heard. Gloria Gaynor, you know, the woman that sings, I will survive. Yes. Da, da, oh, my God, dude. It was killing us, man. Mark oh, was yeah. texting me going, dude, this bitch is blowing my fucking head off. Dude, I was like, yeah, me too. It's so loud, man. We couldn't handle it. Here are the metal guys walking out of a Gloria Gaynor gig covering their ears, man. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun, though. Totally. Yeah. It was, it was a good time. We had a... Uh... And then we we were on tour, so we left the tour for a couple of days and then came back. And so it was just like, you know, whatever. We, right. I mean, we kind of felt like we were going to lose. We're like Slayer. Everybody knows the name. Like it's going to. But we we fit, we thought we had the chance because they had won for the same album the sure. year before. So we were like, you know, there's a good chance that like you know they might give it to an up and comer or maybe give it to King Diamond, which I would have also been okay with because I was like, right. fucking King Diamond gets a Grammy. Fucking hooray for all of us. Totally. You know. Totally. So yeah, that no, was good stuff. When was that? Know. Was that for calls for Dream Calls for Blood? No, no, that was uh, that was that was, that was that recently, was, right? That was right before I went in my coma. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, I had Rob on right before that, and he was asking me about it. 
yeah we, we had to talk we had to talk about it it was cool. it was 2020 so it was for the last album humanicide it's like we went to the the grammys left for the bay strikes back tour like a week after and then the tour ends in tragedy that was a, a whirlwind couple of months there the grammy awards all the way to a coma right, right. <laughs> ups and downs and it also sucks for for death angel typical uh we didn't even get a chance to to use our Grammy clout. I mean, the whole world shut down right after those Grammy awards, so we couldn't use the you know the nominated Grammy nominated Death Angel wants a a new snare drum, you know, whatever. Right, like, you know, right, we, we, right. we couldn't. <laughs> did you did you get dressed up? To go to oh yeah, hell yeah, hell you yeah. Get, you got a suit and I did. Oh, nice, nice. It was it was rad. It did was all fun. you guys get dressed up? I think we I think Rob and I even talked about that. Like we did, did we did. Up? I was like, Everyone you, did. I, you know what? I didn't. And I regret it. Like, I, I wish I would have got dressed up and you know, I wore like a Charles Manson shirt or something stupid. I was like, Oh, wow. Fuck? I look back and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's cool that you did it. Was your, what was your suit? All black? No, I had a, a red sparkly, like dinner jacket type of thing. Nice. And then, then the rest was black pretty much. Yeah. Black slacks and black uh, shirt and tie but yeah i had a red sparkly jacket that's probably lie. pictures of that right on the internet oh yeah oh yeah yeah oh yeah so i tell you what dude it has been absolutely awesome catching up with you you too brother you too yeah. man we've been talking for almost two and a half hours now all right yeah <laughs> it's fucking great i love it and i i love you I've always loved you for forever now, and it's been great catching up. And you know, I haven't been able—I haven't seen you for fucking a long time. You know, our paths, totally touring paths didn't cross, and you know, you were here and I was gone, or vice versa. And you know, it's, it's just been awesome. You know, this, this, certainly the other day at the obituary show, and then today, <laughs> you know, it's been awesome, man. Totally, man. I mean, uh, you've always been cool to me, like during that tour and ever since that tour. You've always been my friend and always been cool to me and treated me with respect. And I have nothing but respect for you as well. And I consider you a dear friend, man. And I'm just glad we're, we're, we're talking right now. <laughs> yeah, man. Ladies and gentlemen, right there, the mighty, mighty Will Carroll, Death Angel, no fucking regrets. <laughs> with Rob Flynn.